Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Sparks. And welcome back to Bros Watch PLL2. We're back and talking about S7E15 in the Eye Abides the Heart. Written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Troy Belsario. Mm-hmm. You heard that right. <laughs> the episode that we've all been dying to watch and talk about since since it was announced. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, think it lived up to the hype. Fuck yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun episode with just so much to chew on. Uh, and even right in the middle of that, there's this whole like great baby plotline, and we'll talk about that too. But still, yeah, not you know not my favorite PLL plotline in general, but somehow it listed some of my favorite PLL scenes. I I feel like I've thought about this episode more and in much different ways than I usually do in these couple days between the episode ending and us recording. I. There's a lot to I kind of, I kind of hit on it that night, but I was like, "This might be my new favorite episode." It might be, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I was gonna ask if you had any follow up, but it's been like two weeks. I feel I've personally forgotten any follow up. I would have had. Did you have any? Uh, we got a couple things we can talk about at the end. Uh, mostly, uh, like Rachel emailed us asking about the dynamics of this, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, I gave her my opinion. I'm sure. Dynamics we'll talk about what? it. Uh, baby. Emerson, Emerson yeah. baby. Um, and then at the end, we can I talk think about. We might talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might. I think it might come up. Uh, Kayla emailed us. She had a nice breakdown of the uh, Hardy Bros fuck styles, which I'm sure we oh, could absolutely. Discuss. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would really want to get in there. Mm-hmm. Thought you might want to go fishing with that one. Or not. Fishing. Or not. <laughs> Oh, I wish we knew how to quit that uh, <laughs> that discussion. Um, shall we? Yeah, let's jump right in in our little teaser scene. It's nighttime. We're at Allison's house, uh, seemingly like right after everybody else left at the end of seven fourteen. We're mm-hmm. panning over the game board and kind of moving in. What a nice smooth camera movement in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Allie and Emily are the only ones here now. Allie's pacing Emily sitting on the couch and Emily says, what are you going to do? And Allie says, are you talking about the game? And Emily's like, no, I'm talking about you, about the baby. What are you going to do? Allison sits, she sighs and she's like, what would you like me to do? And Emily's like, it's not up to me. Allie says, how do you feel? And now Emily has to get up and like walk around with these emotions. And she says, um, feel angry feel violated how do you feel allison's like way calmer comparatively she's just like i'm exhausted from how angry i am which like i don't know something about that line like or not the line but the reading i guess she doesn't seem angry when she says it she seems more uh, emotional i guess she seems yeah like she seems almost like zen robot mm-hmm. i believe the exhaustion so i guess i can believe the anger. yeah uh, so Emily says, we should find out if it's true. And Allie's like, it is true, Em. Emily's like, I know, but we could get a blood test, you know, to be absolutely sure. And Allie's like, all right. Um, it's like she's just humoring her, and this seems to make Emily feel a little bit better. Can, can you know, it's you like even... Dr. AD confirmed this, so... 
can you do that like a blood test? Like later on, they're going to talk about blood types, which it, it would seem that it'd have to be a DNA test, but I don't know. Yeah, I it's pretty early in the pregnancy. I think where they're yeah. just like sticking a needle into the well, so I thought the needle had to come later, and that was like I know that I know that's definitely how you, you determine paternity or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll just uh, hand wave that. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a magical Emerson baby that has somehow been implanted in her. So, yeah. Go. With um, it. Meanwhile, <laughs> outside the rear window, brew. It's a great shot of like one of the employees is like bringing out a bag of trash, toss it into the dumpster. Dude heads back inside. But we pan over and see that Arya is just like chilling on the side of this dumpster, like hiding out, like sitting on the ground. Just shifty Arya being shifty by the by the dumpster. Uh, her phone starts vibrating. We see that like blocked is requesting a video chat. So her her finger makes it her way over to accept that call. Okay, but before we accept that call, just because it's about to get nuts, I just gotta compliment just the all. There's so many shots in this episode of the camera just just kind of start somewhere and is kind of like creeping back, tracking around a little bit Fincher esque in some of these shots. It's kind of like this omniscient uh, camera, you know, guided not by a mm-hmm. human being and the way it moves. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cool. lot of uh, it's a lot of that great. Wh- how can I look at some of these same locations differently? Mm-hmm. But I like I like the way you describe that though. Like Troy came in and she's like, "There's two ways to film this. <laughs> the other way is wrong." <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, Arya a little bit hesitant. She accepts the call, and then <laughs> it's like someone is wearing a like Snapchat like. Uh, avatar of Arya's face as they talk to her. Well, she's well, wearing just, Arya's jacket from a couple episodes. Too. Yeah, yeah. Which I just took to calling Avataria, which I think I saw on like like Joe Snorty's Instagram. But yeah, big crazy smile on Avataria's face. So I, like, I believe Brian know. Holdman was the original or, or okay, the originator, cool. I should say, of that. And then Marlene was tweeting it, yeah. So, as Hannah would say to Caleb, I think we just found out what to call this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like Avataria is smiling like a crazy mad person because they know how bonkers this is <laughs> it's it's as though they have video of aria but then also like they're animating a still image of her face it's so fucking weird Well, because it'll it'll not always fully cover the face it'll change i mean like you've seen those bullshit like yeah yeah photo app things and stuff yeah it's an aria um, snapchat filter it's yeah, creepy yeah. as fuck and the voice is all weird and like pitch shifty and but it's uh it's even better because the first line out of this concoction's mouth is hello aria i thought you'd appreciate a friendly face (laughs) (laughs) i think she doesn't like throw this across the room right or the the alley right now like it's so creepy but i just like what was the evolution of this like just dirty just walking right and you'd be like i won't have aria stare into a dark mirror for 45 minutes And they're like more so than usual. <laughs> I would love to know like whose ideas came in on this. Cause I mean, you could have done this whole plot line with Arya just getting texts, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. she could just get texts and say, do this, do that. And Arya just have to do it. But, and, or, or it could be a video like last week when it was a, and like a, you know, a, a black hoodie void. void. And instead it's this insanity, which is wonderful. Um, well, the, the frustrating, exhilarating, Part of all this, though, is that the show is ending and some of these like narrative technology updates are like so wonderful. (laughs) You almost want this to like be the new thing for like another season or something. But with the game and this, I support it. To me, it's it's like the mass of of Ali's face type thing where it's like it's just crazy enough to be completely bizarre. Yeah. 
So seeing this, Arya just shakes her head a little and actually like sneers in disgust. And Avatar is like, no more messengers, no more go-betweens, just you and me face to face. <laughs> and Arya's angry whispers, I want you to understand something. I will not hurt my friends. To which Avatar responds with, and I want you to understand something. You'll do as you're told. Otherwise, your friends will find out you're taking care of numero uno. Oh, and don't forget about Ezra. He's just a document away from going to prison. What to which document Arya says, is that? Uh, probably his novel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you're going to writing jail. <laughs> Arya's like, what do you want? And Avatar says, I want the same thing you want. The end of the game. And that's what we're going to accomplish together. Yeah, as the Avataria leans in there, Arya's eyes are widening. Shit has gone to the next level. I I don't think the Shusher was prepared to get orders from her evil evil uh, cyber self there. Yeah, her her reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh god, there's almost like a cadence at times. To I felt like it was Sydney. Um. Okay, so I have some thoughts on the, on the sound thing here because I've I've heard Sydney. A lot of people think it's Paige. Some people say Veronica. Well, I would say not not just like the sound of the voice, but the way the words are spoken, like the rhythm. I am 99% certain that that is just Lucy Hale's voice that's been variably pitch shifted. Which I which I, I get, because I can imagine how Lucy Hale's voice would sound differently. But I could almost also see like, I want the same thing you want. The end of the game. That's what we're going to accomplish together. You know, like... Well, Beyond that, though, it's a fool's errand anyway, because they never use the real A actor for this stuff. So, like, there is no, like, oh, my God, I, like, reverse pitch shifted it, and it's Veronica. Like, they're if they were not going to use Lucy Hale, they would just bring in their, like, one voiceover actor to use for everything. Which, again, if if any shows ever learn their lesson, I I believe Bib Tuck did a thing, and they used the actual actor then for a contest. was, um, Was it The Mentalist? Was that the other one that messed up like that? Well, the voice was so weird, and then it was such an easy voice to duplicate, hence Bradley Whitford could do it. Hmm. Easy come, easy go. Yeah. Um, so the credits, of course, the original Shusher is the Shusher, as it should be. The OG as Shusher. As foretold. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. the next day at the brew, we're in the Liar's Nook. Arya is sitting in a chair, a little bit apart from the rest of the group. She's looking at the photo of Pastor Ted there and his uh, troubled views, Lucas and Charlotte. And Spencer walks past with her pink pastry box, and she says, what happened at the clinic? And she sits next to Emily on the couch. We see Hannah's nearby, kind of huddling close to Emily. Emily says, when we explained the situation, they said they'd rush the blood test. Hannah's <laughs> like, you explain things? Like, for real, what the fuck did you say to the clinic? How do you how do you explain that away? Like, so we don't know who the father is, and it might be my baby and my my eggs, my eggs and not hers. It's my bun in that oven, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's a surprise to both of us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I should have told you to sit down first. <laughs> um, and he's like, sort of explained, and so Arya like shows the rest of the group the photo that she's been meditating on. And she's like, what do you think? What do we think this means? And Spencer's like, it means that the world is much, much smaller than we ever thought. <laughs> and he says, Lucas lied to us. He said he didn't know anything about Charlotte. And it says, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was friends with a boy named Charles a long time ago. And Ari says, or maybe it was more than one summer. Maybe they stayed friends at Radley. And what happened after that? 
And she leans forward and puts the photo back on the coffee table. And Hannah's like, no, no, not Lucas. Spencer says, if there's one thing we all should know by now, it's not everyone tells you everything. And then cut to Arya, just sitting quietly, kind of framed between Hannah and Emily there in the foreground, just feeling guilty, not saying anything. I really like that cut. And squirrely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just a nice silent cut, the implication. Uh, and then Emily says, Pastor Ted might not be the only one who kept a souvenir that summer. I, if Lucas stayed out of touch with Charles and then Charlotte, maybe there's a trail maybe, and we should look. And then Arya says, that loft is a techno death trap, remember? It, it might be filled with bugs and cameras. Definitely toilet cams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like how they, they only think of that now. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, that loft is a, a death trap. Yeah. Or we've been pooping for all this time. Mm -hmm. um, so she's like, so like, well, if it is, Lucas already knows all our secrets. And then he's like, so we search. And what it looks like when they poop. Well, you don't want to yeah. read your own line there? <laughs> no, I didn't. Backed off the last second? Yeah. I always just put this in to see if you're awake. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, my favorite one was like one a while back. I don't remember what it was. It was like Ari was getting upset. And it was like she was like, talking about the things they were going to do. And I think I wrote it at the end. And then we're going to cut their fucking head off. <laughs> well, I'll read that. Uh, um, so Emily says. Like, so we search. So yeah. She's discreetly. And says, you guys are wrong about him. Uh, she's very confident. Spencer just ignores this because something else is on her mind right now. She says, I can't believe she's in that house. Mary, the whole time we were talking to Pastor Ted, she was just 15, 20 feet away. And then Arya's phone starts buzzing and she kind of holds her, or her purse starts buzzing because uh, her phone is inside. She holds her purse closer, a little nervous. She doesn't make any move to answer. The others don't even seem to notice. And Spencer says, I got to go. And Emily's like, yeah, me too. And then to Hannah, she's like, I'll help you after school. And says, okay. So the three of them, they get up, they walk past Aria. Her phone is still buzzing. They bounce. They all say bye. And then as soon as they're gone, Aria pulls out her phone. She's got one missed FaceTime call from Blocked. And Aria kind of turns her head, looking back at where her friends just were. And got a coldness in her face now. Like, she's in and she's committed. Yeah. I... As I was watching this scene, I was reminded that, you know, even though Emily lives there mm -hmm. with Caleb and Hannah, so I guess she sleeps on the couch each night or whatever, shouldn't she still kind of hate Lucas for the uh, the massage? She's be never deeply uncomfortable around him. She's never properly like buried that hatchet. And I want to say that even though Lucas has been around a fair amount in the flash for or the, you know, five years forward, she's had no scenes. She's had no scenes with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she's just avoiding him. She must have her own room, though. She can't just sleep on the couch. Well, we've seen her sleep on the couch at times. Is that why she's just, like, changing in the living room? I would think so. And yeah. getting coffee on the back of her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured she's just, like, sleeping on the couch because she's, like, kind of a drunk now. But, <laughs> but yeah, Arya, that works too. <laughs> Arya's in. She's, she feels bad about what she's doing to her friends, but uh, not bad enough to stop. No, because it's uh, it's like the new Ezra. Ezra. Uh, so at the Rosewood police station, we're we're hovering around Detective Marco Fury's desk. There's a pink pastry box being set down in front of him by Spencer Hastings. We just saw her get in the previous scene. He's surprised and she's like cupcakes, gluten free, dairy free, sugar free, fat free. Technically, they might not actually exist. You know, old Toblerone got some cronuts at one point, I recall. This he was dude, disgusted. 
this dude got like the worst sounding cupcakes ever. Yeah, well, and, and it's like Schrodinger's worst sounding cupcakes ever. Whereas Toby, like, just the sneer, like that cronut sounds disgusting. <laughs> well, who who baked these cupcakes? Is there a new baker at the brew? And has Emily fucked her yet? You mean uh, like the new Sabrina, Sabrina, mm-hmm. um, Sabrina? <laughs> <laughs> um. So Marco's like, well, if there's anything in that box, I'll be happy. And so she kind of laughs. He's like, I'm trying to reach Toby. So she's like, uh, he's with Caleb. Toby has a cabin, so they went up there to fish or not to fish. What the hell does that mean? They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna bro down. I wish I knew how to quit. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she's implying. Like, maybe just that uh, they're, it's just an excuse to get away, I guess. They won't actually I mean, be doing fishing. If you're a Tyler Blackburn fan or if you've been following his Instagram for a while, like, you remember way back when there was, like, the, the nude lake photos or whatever? Just slide Toby right in on that. I, I do not remember that, but I'll take your word. Um, yeah, Tyler Blackburn. Ass. Okay. Just, just some ass yeah just uh i don't know be careful changing your tire on the side of the road wasn't that the lie that they tell you know brokeback mountain or not they but Anne hathaway you know i have never actually seen it really i have i was yeah. super drunk though uh i should really watch it again because the ending confused me because i was shit-faced should we watch it again and just pretend the whole time that it's it's caleb and toby Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty good movie. I feel like you you don't want to just uh no, I I'm sure reduce it's a it um, to a joke, but yeah, it was it was good. I I was just like super hammered because like uh, me and Peanut went to see it and like we ordered a pitcher of beer right before and they were like suddenly like oh shit the movie starts in five minutes so we just like chugged the whole pitcher. It was crazy. Which how many times did you guys do that? If you're was it pizza and avocado beer or pizza and or, uh, pepperoni and avocado pizza? Pepperoni oh, and man. avocado pizza. That is good pizza. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Marco here. Uh, he says not fishing can be very relaxing, and they both nod. Like they're just both thinking about fucking each other right now, right? Or they're thinking about Toby and Caleb. I don't know. Um, maybe they also know what their fuck styles are like. Uh, but it's time to get down to something more important than Toby's grief. Um, such as does like the Arya glance over her shoulder, like sits on the edge of Marco's desk, and she's like, "Um, so I understand that you found a finger." And he's like, "No, I didn't find it." It was sent to me. Oh, come on. Don't don't gloss over that line. So I, I understand you found a finger. That's the <laughs> line of the episode right there. Like, how many takes did that take to get right? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you deliver that with a straight face? Yeah. And who gets the call cut on the uh, director? Like, if she's just like, like, so I heard someone gave you the finger. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is like, eh, try and take it again. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was sent to him. Spencer says, okay, well, so much for Archer Dunhill being out of the country. And he's like, or alive. And Spencer says, so what do you think happened? And she says this like it's just juicy gossip to chew over, but I feel like it's a little too pointed to be casual. Mm-hmm. And he hesitates for a moment. I think he's kind of analyzing her interest right now. And he says, I talked to a nurse at Welby. She told me that Drake and your friend Emily Fields visited Allison Dr. Rollins wasn't too happy about it. Mary Drake and Rollins argued because if they're working together and things went south between them, that argument may be the reason Dr. Rollins disappeared. Spencer's watching him very intently as he's kind of laying this out. And she says, so the theory is that Mary Drake killed Rollins, Dunhill. 
And Marcus says, that's one theory. Which, like, at this point, it's just like, danger, Spencer. Danger. Well, and there's there's some good body language there. He leans closer to her at one point, and she kind of, like, pulls her arms back. Like, not directly recoiling, but, like, it's just, like, it's very subtle. Like It's, she it's just, a subtle but noticeable shift, yeah. Like, a little protective gesture, yeah. And he's like, can I, uh, can I ask you a question? She says, sure. He says, when you asked me to look at for Mary Drake, did you think that she was involved with what happened with Archer Dunhill? And she says no, very straight face, like very like test me if I'm lying. Well, like immediately says no, no doubt in her mind, which maybe was a little too quick of an answer. Yeah. And he's like, I guess that wouldn't make sense. You asked me to look for your birth mother if you thought she was involved in his death. And Spencer's like, I didn't know that he was dead when I asked you. And he's like, That's right, you didn't. But that and was like, a nice cop move there, where he kind of just speculates. Like, oh, yeah, you asked me to look for your birth mother. If, you know, why would you do that? That wouldn't make sense. And he just lets it hang there, kind of prompting her to respond, like out of a natural desire to be conversational, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But Spencer picks up on it immediately and completely bypasses it. And she's just like, I didn't know he was dead when I asked you. Mm-hmm. So she, he's kind of turning that over. She's like studying him, trying to decipher this. So he changes the subject to make the mood lighter. And he's like, thank you for the cupcakes. And she says, you're welcome. And like definitely realizes the situation is starting to get out of control. I like Marco and his like two scenes in this episode because for the first time, Marco Fury, Fury is basically Linda Tanner. Well, he's if Tanner he, had fucked Spencer. <laughs> yeah, he's having to re-engage his the cop side, the detective side. He's tried not to with Spencer because he likes her, but you know things are stacking up, and it's like you can both see him doing the math in their heads at the end of the scene, like. Hmm, the way you're acting is suspicious and uh, the way you're questioning me, you're suspecting me. You know, He's just like, shit, I've become the Michael Douglas cop in some 90s movie. Yeah. Well, it is really fun to watch Troy and directing herself here. Like she has Spencer framed in a dominant position this whole time. She's like looking down at Marco, kind of like sitting on his desk or standing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an interesting thing where when the conversation stops being casual, like we've had this kind of like over the shoulder shot of him where he's like right on the edge of the frame. But when it stops being casual, suddenly like the back of his head is right in the middle of the shot and mm-hmm. Spencer's off the side. And it's, it's like step into his POV as we study Spencer's own shadiness here, mm-hmm. you know, and like the, the angles change at that point. Um, and we're really kind of watching her reactions the whole time, which is great because she's the star of the show, mm-hmm. but we're no longer experiencing it necessarily through her, which really goes crazy at the end of this episode <laughs> when we don't know what the fuck is going on um oh i have some ideas well mm-hmm. yeah i you feel like you're not, not a, you're not a proponent of twincer you're a, a twincer atheist uh, maybe i don't know um it almost seems like too obvious now hmm. but uh i feel like you're really leading the charge on that you know, it's if nothing else, it's fun. Like you're really like burning the heretics at the stake there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun. I get that. Um, so Ezra's loft. Ari comes in. We can hear Ezra talking on the phone in the distance. She listens, figuring out who he's talking to. We hear, no, no. Remember, you talked to Doctor Randall that before you left, right? The camera is great. It stays of Arya's face as she makes her way from the door to the eye on the counter, sets her stuff down. Well, it starts as a close-up, yeah, and then yeah. Like, pulls back slowly to reveal the whole room. We see Ezra's in that corner, like, leaning against the desk. He finishes his call, 
And he's just like, he realizes she's back. All right, yeah, no, no, I'll give him a call. No, it's it's okay, it's okay. Just say hi to Nicole for me. Okay. So he kind of hangs up, walks over, and she's like, Nicole's dad? And he's, in this classic Ian Harding way, is like, Nicole's dad? I liked how when she was walking in there, we're looking at her for most of her entrance as we just hear Ezra. And we, we kind of see it in her eyes. She's listening. She hears mm-hmm. what's going on. She's trying to kind of ignore it and be cool about it, but she's very aware. And he's, you know, there's a little bit of shift in him, too. Like, okay, I got to end this call now. Mm-hmm. Well, I like um, how fun, fun police is here on this uh, trauma that I love to be a part of. Yeah, his whole like Nicole's dad. And she nods and he like hangs his head because this is such a burden for him. You know, yes. He's not playing it like he knows he's doing wrong or he's hurting her. He's just like, oh, you're such a bummer, Arya. Yeah. Which, like, um, I don't know if that's his manipulation necessarily or if that's just in the in the movie where he's the star. That's the way he sees things is that this is such a burden for him, you know? Yeah. So I feel like you can tell that Arya's pretty much had it up to here with this Nicole and her family. But he's like, they want me. They want me to come back. And she's like. Nicole does and he's like well her parents which my god Nicole's parents must just be fucking in love with Ezra well Ezra really presents a a situation here through the whole episode where he is just at the whims of other people and none of this is him he's just doing stuff to make other people happy what are you gonna do kind of like is this whole vibe but he must love this when he gets when he gets off the plane and rents that car and goes to wherever they are he just shows up as like the man in charge the man at the plan he's gonna come here and make all everything okay i don't know if i'd get that vibe from him necessarily so much not as like, here not here but i mean think about it if he's gonna go there i can't imagine that he's just like moping around and like oh god nicole's parents now that i'm here alone with you Oh, this is such a burden for me. I feel like he loves being the star of that particular movie. Mm, I I don't get that vibe from him personally. Um, I feel like he's trying to be like the good son, basically. Um, hmm. And and, hmm. and making himself the victim more than making himself the hero. Even when he's alone with the parents? To some extent, yeah. Hmm. Well, we all have our crosses to carry. Mm-hmm. Ezra's Via Dolorosa is uh, main. Um, Ari's like, then I can't imagine what they're going through. And Ezra's like, uh, they're happy. They're they're nervous. They're treating her like she's made out of glass. And um, I was on my way out to run a few errands, but um, I'll be back in an hour. And he gets his key and he starts to leave. And she's softly a little upset. She's like, yeah. And he pauses, like he just knows the tone of her, yeah. And he's just like, are you okay? I like how she and- was starting to get a little angry there, where he's describing people treating Nicole like she's made out of glass and like Arya like is about to say something there, but then he like kind of cuts her off Uh, a subject of which she's not, not an expert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And she says, yeah, she gives him this a quick kind of happy diffuse smile, like flash of a smile. He gives her just an empty kiss before heading out. Like there's nothing to it at all. Well, this is how he, he, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like cauterizes some of these wounds between them. He just like, or status quo. We've had a quick little kiss. Let's go. I, I'm, we're fine. I can leave. Um, but yeah, she's essentially like gives him permission to leave. Um, well, it's like she almost totally goes after avoiding him. her. Yeah, she decides to go after him. Probably to tell him what what's going on, what she's feeling. But then behind her on the counter, her cell phone starts buzzing once more. She looks back at it like, oh shit. Comes over and gets it. We see blocked is requesting a video chat. 
There's a little bit of hesitation, but she accepts the call. It's Avataria, who is upset. Rule number one, never send me to voicemail. And, and holding up a gloved finger, so menacing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> to point out the perils of oh, yeah. sending her to voicemail, Avataria then drags that finger across their neck, making like a throat slit noise. Like, like, <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, Oh my god! Yeah, I know some people were like, "Oh my god, this is dumb!" Like, uh, I'm sorry, you can't enjoy this. This is amazing. Yeah, maybe you've just outgrown. Maybe PLO you're, or maybe PLO you're dead was, inside. Yeah, was never quite the show you thought it was. <laughs> uh, Arya's like, "What do you want?" And Avtaria says, "You talked to your friends this morning. What was that all about?" And Arya's like, "Nothing." But Avtaria. Maybe because she's got Arya's face. Knows that that's bullshit. It's also filled with the brim of sass. Hmm. You know, Arya, trust is a two-way street. You want to live heavily, happily ever after? I need to know you've got my back. Otherwise, the prince goes back to the tower. There's no fairy tale wedding for the princess. Arya's like, why are you doing this? What do you think you'll get out of it? And Avatari leans forward and it's like, everything. <laughs> Arya's just like, oh shit. Cyber me is just as crazy and intense as real me. And <laughs> Avatar is like, now let's try this again. What were Hannah and Spencer doing the other day when they left town? And Ari kind of swallows hard. I think she realizes she has no choice but to tell the truth here. And so she says they were looking for Mary Drake. They didn't find her. And Avatar says, but they found something. I can tell by your eyes. And Arya is still hesitating. And Avatar says, don't push your luck, Arya. Not with me. And Arya says, they found the place she hid for a few days. And Avatari says, and? And Arya says, and they talked to Charlotte's father. And this does not seem to please AD here. Nope. And after a few seconds, the call just abruptly ends. And Arya is even yeah. more freaked out than ever from talking to her evil uh, cyber self here. So by no means do I think it is. But just imagine if this was Ezra. Like if he just dashed down the hallway and like <laughs> pulled up his app, and he's just like, otherwise there's no happy fairy tale wedding. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it could be. I don't. I don't think you should try to make any guesses based on like trying to freeze frame it or like analyze the voice. Like to me, that's just a like sucker's game. Like, yeah, it. Yeah. This could be anyone essentially. This could somehow be Arya. Okay, take out the fact that there's a Snapchat filter that lays over someone's face. Mm-hmm. This is a show that now has latex masks. Yeah. Well, and also like perfect. There are times when like it'll kind of like glitch out and like mm-hmm. the face like distorts. There's nothing behind it. Like there's no other face behind it. It's just like a blank. It's like the face is just smearing. So it's not like, oh, shit, I pause it. And it's like page or it's like no. Which which thanks to Joseph Dory's Instagram, we know is beautifully because they shot Lucy Hale and green screen doing all this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's not like they had like a secret actor <laughs> doing these lines on top of that. Um, Speaking of Lucy Hill, is it me or is like her hair in like a no man's land right now, where it either should be shorter or longer? It's like she's on the like show? Trying, to, trying to grow it out on the show. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Um, yeah, I, like, I feel like her her outfits are still crazy Arianist, but like very sensibly adult now. Like I. I they belong in the real world. I can be- I can believe them, but her hair—it's just not the classic Arya. You know, well, it's longer hair. than it it has been. It's like she's trying to grow it out. Yeah. Um, 
yeah i have a few more thoughts on this oh what we were talking about with like people who didn't get this like i feel like there's a certain segment of the pll fan base that like doesn't realize when the the show creators are in on the joke mm-hmm. like there's no way that they are like doing avatar here and just thinking it's like a totally serious thing right i mean <laughs> they obviously realize that this is ridiculous well i mean again i thought you'd appreciate a friendly face yeah i know that is like the tongue and the most meta of cheeks um <laughs> uh, but what what does aria what is, what what is her secret and what could send Ezra to jail? Because if like I, I guess it could just be the whole like teacher dating the student thing, but that just seems so it's like the whole fucking town knows that, you know? Like yeah, what, basically. what document exists that would somehow like five years later suddenly send him to jail? Like is there something else? Is what I keep wondering. I don't know. And I feel like that's the mystery that we're not we're not jumping on as much or I'm not feeling that like shooting out at me as much. I'm just enjoying this, mm-hmm. this dance, this tango of madness. Oh, and then whatever, um, whatever Arya has done as well. Yeah. That we don't necessarily know about. Um, and then, and then whatever Arya has done, Ezra does not know about. And I still reserve that this could still all be like something where the other liars know that she's off doing this in a way, just because it's probably not that, but I feel like because She's so clearly like isolated from them. It just seems I don't know. Do you? I feel think, like there's some options here. Do you think A really needed to know what Hannah and Spencer were up to? No, no. And um, or like was that a uh, test? I think uh, John on Twitter like tweeted at us about this, and I I feel like it, yeah, it's a test, but it also it's not so much about like needing Arya to be your spy, although Arya the spy sounds like a great children's book series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about also just making Arya do these things, yeah, like having that control. Well, um, that's that's how A is always operated. Is um, they they have one piece of blackmail, they get you in deeper because of it, and then they have a new thing to blackmail you with, and just like further and further. So you like mm-hmm. never escape. Yeah, that's a classic. I mean, but like psych- the psychological manipulation is much better if you actually have access to what are you feeling <laughs> about all of this? How are you viewing the situation? Would, but, this, um, would this kind of suggest, though, that AD is not Mary? I mean, it, this could just be like a total double blind, like super fake out. But yeah, I don't feel like AD is like rushing from doing these like dark snapshot things, like taking a nap in Spencer's bed. <laughs> I don't think that was Mary, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, in my my other favorite soap opera, Rosewood High Teachers Lounge. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, where Emily hangs out instead of actually working. This is, this room has seen more drama in the last two weeks than the school ever saw. Before we get into the scene, I'd just like to comment on Emily's outfit here. Leather pants, <laughs> like tight, skin tight black leather pants, and like a button up shirt that she did like half the buttons on. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's a good look. I don't know if that's necessarily a teacher look. I'm not a teacher myself. I don't know what goes these days, but but what if you're what if you're and I don't say this to belittle, but like what if you're just the swim coach? So it's like the rest of the day. What are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, Paige has on like a blazer and whatnot. She's professionally dressed. And... But Paige is like professionally playful. I think like it's comfortable. Like it's a little playful, but I think she. She's not like, oh, God, like these heels are killing me all day or whatever. Like Emily, Emily, it's like she she woke up and the, the clothes she partied in last night 
she like took her shirt off because it smelled bad and it had like gin on it and then hannah like (laughs) threw her one of her button-up you know shirts and emily just like put it on buttoned half the buttons and walked out the door well and then they're like oh emily hey you're here it's 10 o'clock work for us actually starts at seven in the morning but also, you don't have swim practice. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know what? Hold that thought. Cover for me. I'll be back. Cover for you for what? Oh, she's already gone. What? From like whispering with one of these other two girls in your love triangle and then getting free coffee all day? Yeah, as far as I can tell, that's your fucking job. Uh, how does this stack for your theories about if bartender Emily was making the most money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily's Granted, like, I'm not making so much money now. This sucks. I mean, obviously, Hannah's plotline has taken some torpedoes and taken on some water in the last few weeks. But, like, Arya doesn't have a job at the moment because I don't know what's going on with she's, the book. She's an author. And then Spencer is, like, lobbying for her own innocence rather uh, than politics. She's a Hastings. You know, they have money. Yeah, I, it is surprising. Like, I feel like Veronica should have showed up by now and be like, you need a fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out your mommy issues and file this paperwork for me. Yeah. So um, anyway, Paige is here. Paige has just learned some version of the truth about Allie's pregnancy. And Paige yeah. says, God, she trusted that man. And now she's having this baby. What a nightmare. And he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, for reasons that Paige doesn't even know about yet. And Paige is like, yeah. I feel sorry for her. I do. And it's glorious. And Emily says, we're all taking turns, you know, keeping an eye on her just to be there. Paige's like, sure, I get it. That makes sense. And it's like, you can kind of tell Emily wants to say more right now, which she really can't because there's mm-hmm. a lot weighing on Emily's mind right now. And she's like, thank you for understanding. And Paige says, it's easy when you only tell me half the truth. <laughs> And Paige reaches over and takes Emily's hand to comfort her. And then the school bell rings and Paige says, I'll talk to you at lunch. And Emily's like, yeah, whatever. What's lunch? And Paige gets up and leaves off to do some actual work. And we see some other faculty members entering the room. Emily's phone rings because she doesn't even have her phone on vibrate at her job. Way to go, Em. I kind of like terrible employee, Em. I feel like she needs to steer into it more. I feel like at some point a lot of people have had the job where it's like one of your coworkers, like the break room was their real office. (laughs) They were always there dealing and doing something, (laughs) always involved in somebody, everyone's business. Um, But yeah, so the phone rings. She answers, Allie? We see Allison's in her living room, like chilling on the couch on the other end of this call. Um, I, she's almost just zombie post news, Allison. She's like, congratulations. You're, You're a mother. She's like deranged Zen calm. Yeah. Um, and so Emily's like, she's the blood test. And Allison's like, it's you and me. So Emma's, Emily stands. She's kind of very aware of the others. I think now she like goes to like the window, lowering her voice. And she's like, it's not just the two of us. There was someone else involved. And Allison's like, well, it wasn't Dunhill. It's the wrong blood type. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> yeah, medical tests blood um, type like what like it was oh negative what does that even mean <laughs> yeah ali's like so that narrows it down to a couple million sure i guess everyone knows the welsh have different blood um no emily's face is just like oh my god um she just like stares off process after a beat allison's like hey you still there i mean it's like yeah yeah i'm here well it's and like allison says, they're both like half their heads or half of their consciousness are in their own heads during this conversation you know 
and Austin's like, well, what are you thinking? And this is like, it's a great line. It's, this is some of Shea best work. And I think that, I think she's the one who gets overlooked out of all the other core thespians at the heart of the show. Like, there's some great work here. And she's just like, I'm not thinking at all right now. Yeah, Allie doesn't respond. She's looking over at her bookshelf at a photo of her as a child. Uh, interesting book selection there as well. Quite only under. Randomly, there's like a parenting book, like Parenting by Heart. I don't know what that's also, doing there. Also, the it, books are all upside down. Yeah, I guess so. Um, White Oleander, that's maybe a little bit of an alley book. I've only read like a third of it, but. Oh, that's very much an yeah. Allison. <laughs> I feel like two years on the run, if she only read one book, it was White Oleander. <laughs> and Lolita. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like the cutting back and forth between them there and the way Allie's almost like looking at the camera. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really, I, I wish Troy had more episodes of this direct. I hope she does other stuff because it, it seems like she's really willing to get stylistic, you know, mm-hmm. like it, well, even if it's a shot, reverse shot or a phone call, she's going to have some fun with it. So let's say real quick. So they talked a lot about what was interesting, like cast group, people involved in the show. What was interesting is that Troy and the director working of actors was really good about knowing these actors, mm-hmm. like, like how they act, but also who they are as people and using those details to bring out, aspects of their performance but just visually it's like she knows this show mm-hmm. she knows what's important about the script and yeah it just it's it reminds me a little bit of the first episode larry reedman directed where i kept thinking like obviously this is a guy who like shoots every episode of pll but this, this shots, guy's had some shots in his back pocket that he's been wanting yeah he's use, been yeah. like been daydreaming like in between setups like well what if we ever did this and it's like I feel like she's just like her mind's watered and she's worked out some great shots here. Um, then there's this great scene. Yes. This next scene here, we're, we're in Spencer's barn. We're in the bedroom kind of looking out as Spencer walks past to the, what do they call those doors? They're like farmhouse doors or something. There's a name know. for them. I don't know. They're like all the rage right now on the, uh, like the HGTV network. Uh, but she walks past these doors and then stops. Yeah. What? I'm just. I'm, at some point later, I'd like to hear more about my what's all the rage That's all I need to know. Anyway, okay. um, she stops because she looks over her bed and something catches her eye. She kind of walks closer, and we kind of pull back to get a look at her bed. Now, the the comforter, the blanket on top, is kind of a little bit ruffled, as though someone's been sleeping like on top of the the comforter. There. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a Frames photo of what appears to be. A man and a woman, it really looks like it's Troy and, and, uh, and Keegan there, Spoby, like spooning in a bed, but you can't see their faces. It's so weird. Okay. I've never noticed it until now. You've never noticed it until now? No. So this is, I believe, a painting. It hmm. may be a photo. I've noticed it in a few episodes, and I keep meaning to bring it up. I am dying to know what this is, because it's the fact that you don't see their faces mm-hmm. really makes it's such an intriguing piece of art i think it's definitely something you'd want to put on the wall i feel like yeah um but but this... the, the fact that also that it's on the the bedroom wall is so <laughs> yeah, so <yeah>. spencer <laughs> yeah that, that's what she selected but yeah her bed it looks a little disheveled like someone's been sleeping on it which is mm-hmm. interesting spencer kind of she's walking in glancing around like studying her bed 
like something's up and then she we get like a reverse shot out in the living room area she kind of peeks her head out from her bedroom and looks over and we kind of rack focus to see a wine glass that has had some red wine in it that's just about completely empty but there's a little bit at the bottom there someone has been here somebody like goldilocks has uh, been sleeping in spencer's bed and drinking her wine yeah love it wine's a new porridge yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so, so yes oh go ahead i was gonna say she she comes over she almost picks up the wine bottle i remember when i was watching it, so it's like no don't touch it like fingerprints you know something uh but in before she picks it up she looks over and the back door is like cracked open and then like in between the door and the the door jam is a bottle an empty bottle of wine with like something sticking out of the top of it and so she rushes over there and picks up the wine bottle and there's the the thing that's in it it's like a little rolled up note that she pulls out and when she unrolls it like a magical scroll it says need to talk please marry spencer looks up she's fascinated by the idea that her mom was this close the 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 way the camera captures the unrolling of the note is just perfect because there's just like a little bit of almost suspense as you're just like what the hell is going to be on this note um well, it, like the way it rolls is so I don't know, I love it. It somehow manages to keep the the kind of rolling part at the same uh same area of the frame and so it's yeah. slowly panning up. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hypnotic to watch. Um but yeah, so So you you don't think this is Mary who took a nap and drank a bottle of wine to leave a message? Wouldn't that be a very aside from the message, wouldn't it be a very twinser thing to do to go sleep in Spencer's bed? Yeah, but I could also make the argument that I could see Mary doing this, especially so in the heart of the Hastings. Plus, though? plus we know that Mary has let herself into the Hastings home before. We know she has. I guess it would make more sense for a twin who perhaps has always been envious of Spencer's life to go sleep in her bed rather than her mom. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just like a weird like mother mom psychic connection thing or something going on there. I mean, Mary is a little yeah. bit weird, so. Yeah, just being close to her daughter. I mean, like, the note stuff, I thought, was Marco. Well, there's there's another factor that seen here. earlier, But I didn't believe that Marco was, like, sleeping in her bed, drinking her wine. Maybe he is. I mean, the other factor is, like, we don't know this is Mary. No. We're no. probably 75% sure it's Mary. But there is a possibility that this is A doing this or Marco doing this or someone else doing this, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, it, I, I didn't like compare handwriting samples or whatnot, but I feel like that could be faked. It's not that much writing. Yeah, but also, you know, nice, uh, nice handwriting, Mary. So then uh, after commercial, we're going to come back to Lucas's loft where Hannah is coming into frame. It's kind of like looking in from outside their window there. She picks up an action figure. I don't know who that is. So, I couldn't identify that. I mean, there's like some like Green Lantern figures in the background and stuff. That's like a nobody, I think. Um, but yeah, Hannah picks us up and she says, why do they all have such big arms? How can they even put on spandex with these things? And we kind of like pan over to see Emily is in the background further inside the, the, the loft there. Emily's like got the tablet remote thing that she's looking at. And she says, Hannah, don't browse. Search. It kind of seems like because they're talking earlier like, oh, Lucas could have cameras in here. Shouldn't they be like loudly discussing how like Emily lost an earring? Like just in case yeah. someone's listening, like, like just as a cover for why they're searching the place. But yeah. 
I wish they did more with the recording conversations to play <laughs> as cover sound thing. That always um, works out so well, yeah. On the Shelf by Emily is an A block. There's okay. also Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. I believe it's Ray's lightsaber now. According to it is Ray's lightsaber now, officially, and that's fantastic. I love that. Thank you, Lucasfilm and Disney. Um, can, I, can I break your heart on that? It's just a stupid marketing thing. It doesn't really mean anything. That's just so they can sell new Ray lightsabers. I don't care. Okay. I mean, it's it's like you know seeing the right kind of like merchandising be sold at Target. You know, that doesn't all have to be pink for girls. It, it still matters, but like. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's commercial, the I, weirdest I, thing I to me. I guarantee you, Ray's gonna have like a green lightsaber in episode nine. It's gonna happen. Okay. Um, the the weirdest thing of all, of all this nerdy shit of Lucas's though, is the Doc Savage graphic novel behind Hannah at one point. It was when we were talking to uh, Cal Bown and Brandon Robinson that they mentioned that like the the memo came in like get any Marvel stuff out of here. It should be all DC, right? I believe so. Yeah, which. Makes sense. I mean, there's some crazy DC all over the place stuff in that long box, mm-hmm. including the voodoo comic at the end. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, where were we? Uh, Lucas wouldn't hurt us. People, people always enjoy it when you make fun of how big of a nerd Lucas is. By proving how big of nerds we are. Exactly. <laughs> so Hannah's saying that uh, Lucas wouldn't hurt us. And Emily says, then let's prove it. And it says anything in the pictures, and Emily's like studying the tablet. And she says lots of photos from Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> who, yes, who would Lucas cosplay as? Um, um, Seth Cohen? No, um, I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, I'm thinking like Mr. White from Venture Brothers, or or like going completely the other way, like the like weird triangle head thing from Silent Hill, like one of those two. <laughs> I would love to see him building that costume. Wait, which one is Mr. White? Uh, Billy. Quiz oh, oh, oh Mr. White, Mr. Billy. Okay, so not Billy Quizboy, which is what we'd all would cast him as, but Mr. White. I mean, from the Venture yeah. Brothers, I don't know if he'd necessarily be Billy Quizboy, but yeah. I would love to see Brendan Robinson as Billy Quizboy. It would be great if, like, like Lucas comes back, like in full, like weird cosplay attire of of whatever. Yeah. By the way, Venture Brothers, I can't wait for that show to come back. I love that show. <laughs> you um, know, it'll be back for another season in three years or something. <laughs> for like what feels like the second half of the last season. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Hannah leans against the desk. Like Ray talked about the things she's worried about her friend over. And she's like, so what are you going to do about the baby? And he's like not making eye contact because, you know, this is uncomfortable. And she's like, I'll do whatever Ali wants to do. And it's like, well, those blood tests give you a pretty big stake in this. And I mean, not Emily, really. I get the emotional stake. Um, bottom line, though, Allison's decision, her baby, well, her body. For some reason, Hannah is like suddenly baby crazy in this scene. I don't yeah, know is, if she's just being obtuse or what's going on. Well, I kind of wondered if she's like being purposefully insensitive to kind of get Emily out of her shell hmm. and get her talking. That's a nice. Way um, to it, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's the nice version. Or she's just being like all of those worst aspects of Hannah, but adorable. Um, so Emily just is better like, though, right? Like I feel like she's like in the in like seven twelve or whatever. She was just annoying as fuck, but I feel like she's much less like just like angry now. Oh, I love Hannah in this because of just the you explained things. <laughs> well, and she has she has empathy for Lucas, and so she's she's trying to defend someone rather than just like yelling constantly. 
Well, that that was my only issue when we were watching that one scene. I was like, but Emily, you should be a little still skeezed out for on Emily's behalf because mm-hmm. of the massage. And I was like, well, Emily's living in this guy's like loft. <laughs> anyway, maybe so, it's just a really good massage. Yeah, I highly doubt that. <laughs> Emily gestures over to some long boxes under the desk, which are going to be full of comics. But she says, "What's in those boxes under there?" And Hannah, you know, gets well, Emily's one. Emily's right not now. a comic book reader, so she doesn't know that. Yeah. True, true, true. So she goes over, picks up one of the boxes, and opens up, and Hannah says, perfect line delivery, surprise, comic books. <laughs> yeah, so Emily goes over and takes a box. She carries it like a foot away from where Hannah set it down, because for some reason she had to do that. And she starts flipping through the uh, boarded issues there. They're all bagged and boarded. And Hannah says, what are you even looking for? And Emily says, we'll know when we find it. They certainly will. Uh, Hannah grabs the first issue she sees and looks at it. It's an old Superman comic. I couldn't see a number on it. It's like baby Cal L is uh, about to be fired out of a rocket uh, from Krypton. Very subtle. On the on the nose, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're going to uh, send the Emerson baby to another planet where it'll be a superhero. <laughs> and then totally out of nowhere, Hannah's like, I was such a cute baby. And then he gives her this look like, just, are you for real, bitch? And he's like, what? I was. My mom has pictures. I've seen pictures of Caleb when he was a little kid, too. I think we can make something pretty good together. And Emily's like, it's not like making lasagna. And he says, okay, I'm just saying. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Maybe because you're totally fucked up situation. And Emily's just like flipping through each comic, like trying to keep her head from exploding right now. Like, what are you doing, Hannah? Like, this is just... I mean, I hope this is a strategy because otherwise, like, holy shit, insensitive. Hey, every shitty thing a person does is a strategy if they say it is after the fact. I mean, are they trying to set up like a, a Halib baby or something here? Like well, suddenly Hannah wants to get pregnant? I don't know. It kind of seems out of nowhere in that case. I don't know. Remember, it's like, remember those uh, uh, those songs behind the scenes? Like, let's bring out the baby bump mm. for uh, uh, Shay Mitchell's birthday and like take some like photos of them on the couch to the brew. Maybe they've been wanting to ride that storm ever since. Um, so Hannah sees something. And she's like, what's that? And then he's like, what's what? And Hannah says, I mean, all these comics are wrapped in plastic. What's in the envelope? So sure enough, at the back of the oh, box. Oh, it's that middle envelope in the back of the box that you haven't been looking yeah. at yet. Yeah. So they, they pull it out. They open it up. There's a comic in there called Arturus the Protector. And Hannah reads it, and she's like, Arturus. Well, this is uh, says, on the cover. It's like a blonde warrior woman with a red cape, kind of a little bit like an Amazonian thing going on, like sci-fi Amazonian. Yeah. Um. And so oh, Emily's and in, in the foreground, I just want to say there's a, somebody like cowering from this presence with a, a like a baseball cap on. Yeah. yeah. Emily's like Hannah, and she says it because at the bottom of the cover, there's a signature of the two artists, Charles and Lucas. Right, Lucas and Charles. Yeah. And they, Emily and Hannah both share just like maximum Hannah face right here right now. Mm-hmm. Not bad artwork for like a kid's comic creation. Yeah, um, no, not, not at all. Oh my God, I wish I could draw like this. I did like two seconds of research on Arcturus. It's, it's the brightest star in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a red giant named after like a Greek myth. I think there's a relation to... Uh, Hermes, the Greek god, like a like a half brother oh, wow. situation or something. But I mean, that's, that's just that's on the nose. Zeus fucked everyone. But yeah, is it also have a anything to do with the Greek legend about like a fucked up timeline <laughs> involving Bethany Young and Marion <laughs> Kavanaugh and Dream Logic? Yeah. Um, 
oh my god like my life i would be so much happier with my life if like at a young age i could draw like draw comics i mean who do we think this is is this charlotte or is this lucas it's not bad who's, who's the illustrator yeah i'm gonna go with uh the artistic soul that is charlotte i mean i'm trying to think if we've ever seen lucas get i mean he takes photos but i feel like if you could draw like this he probably wouldn't be into photography i don't know Oh, maybe. I mean, it might be yeah. artistic, but I feel like he's the, uh, the armchair quarterback. He's Monday the inker. morning. Yeah. He's, the, he's the tracer. He's Jason Lee. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, at the police station, we're at back at Marco's desk. Detective Marco. Um, he's signing some paperwork as a uniform cop way. It's an Allison sits across from him. Um, there's a, it's not the best of the many, but there's a great, uh, like almost Edward Hopper look at the like the long establishing of the scene and he's like so i took your suggestion about other patients who might have known what that dunhill's a fraud and allison says did it lead anywhere so he finishes like signing whatever on the file hands to the cop who walks off of it he says most people i talked to weren't available to commit the crime and the others would have preferred he stayed alive so they could sue him (laughs) and allison's like and when you say they weren't available he's like i'm pretty sure that dunhill was killed the day he left the hospital the same day your friends went by Welby to complain about how Dr. Rollins was treating you. You have very devoted friends. Well, she she like, smirks like, a little. It's like a mirthless smile. Yeah, it's like you're, you're not getting the rise out of me that you think you're going to get. So she's like, so you think he was killed that night after he left town? And he's like, well, his coat left town and his phone and his credit cards. But I don't think Archer Dunhill was in any condition to use them. So she's like, she's so good though. Like, if somebody wanted you to think he was alive, why would they send you part of him? And he's like, see, he does a lot of like pointing. Like, see, that's a good question. Why go through so much trouble to make us think he's alive and deliver us proof that he wasn't? It only makes sense if there was more than one person involved. And she's like, oh, you know, like, you think two people were responsible for whatever happened? And he's like, two, three, maybe four, maybe five. Well, well the way he delivers it, he's like, because he's kind of looking down at first, he's like, two. Three, it looks up. Maybe four. Uh, and the more uh, people involved in the crime, the more likely someone's going to get nervous and look for an out for themselves. Somebody does not want Archer Dunhill to stay buried. And Allie just like nods blankly, like doing her best to maintain a poker face. And he's like, "Would you like a cupcake? They're gluten free." And Allie says, "Fuck you." No, she says, "No, thank you." And she smiles wanly, but behind her eyes, I think the the alarms have been sounded because she she realizes something's wrong here. This I just guy's love those... getting a little too nosy. But separately, though, you have Spencer and Allison meeting of him, and they're both so good about like playing it cool, but also trying to like distract him. Like, oh, you think just two people killed him? Then just yeah, I, two? I think Allie's better at it. I feel like Spencer is a little a little too noticeable. I guess. Only because, especially the way they did the Spencer scene, there's one moment where she's just staring at him so intensely. Yeah. And I feel like she's doing her best to, like, don't look guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Allie's <laughs> don't, a, a don't react pro. too much. Yeah. 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 Elsa's like, bitch, I've been lying to the cops since I was 10. <laughs> I haven't fucked you. We ain't friends. Yeah. So then um, we're going to cut to a close up of Arya reading the Arcturus book here. Uh, Emily and Hannah are going to be like the two angels on her right shoulder here as they explain everything. Yeah, like the Notes angels. Um, yeah. Emily says, the hero is this boy who gets picked on by the other kids and by his own family. 
And he says, and then he meets this alien woman in the woods and she becomes his protector. And he says, and she's this all powerful shapeshifter who helps get revenge for the boy. And we kind of see some black and white inked pages uh, in the comic as Arya's kind of like paging through here. Uh, in one panel, Arcturus is saying, would you not like revenge? Uh, and it's like the drawing is like a there's a black void under a hood, like saying this. And the boy replies, I very much would. I like the dialogue. Uh, <laughs> Hannah says, torturing his enemies. And he says, and sometimes the boy turns into Arcturus so he can experience the payback she gets for him. And then on another page, you see a panel that the boy is transforming into Arcturus. And Hannah's like, you don't have to be free to figure this one out. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. And Arya's like, Lucas and Charles made this together? Uh, and they say, yes, and Lucas kept it. He, he's connected to Charlotte. He was there when this whole thing started. And Hannah, This is the place they made together. Yeah. And it says, oh, that's funny. I've got another Lost reference coming up later. Same episode. Oh, Hannah says he's done way more than he's ever said. Because uh, it's obvious now that, like, Lucas knows about this, right? Like, this is, like, way too on the nose. Yeah. So in another panel, uh, it looks like uh, the the electroshock Milgram experiments from the dollhouse, like mm-hmm. with those switches and the, the photos and whatnot. Uh, and it even says psychological torture there. So like, which how does is, that fit into the Arcturus storyline? <laughs> I don't know exactly. It appears that Arcturus is like making a victim do this or something. But like, it's like you've got alien woman in the woods powers and you're just gonna build like electroshock like psychological test facilities for this little boy Arcturus is uh, all about the revenge uh, sometimes (laughs) in different methods Um, maybe maybe the lesson is that like the stronger thing is to not take not become your enemies and avenging your own you know whatever um So the light bulb goes on for Arya, speaking of which, and she's like, does this mean Lucas is AD? And I was like, well, it's possible. And I love Arya's like, well, that means something else is possible. Allie's baby. But that's too much for Hannah, who's like processing. She's like, no, no. And Lee like snatches away the comic and she's like, no one says anything about this to Allie. And she like storms off. And Arya's like, hmm. Arya almost sneers a little because she knows uh, who she'll be telling about this as soon as possible. (laughs) Dear diary. Dear, dear magic warped face diary. Um, so cut to Spencer's barn at night. She's, It'd be funny if uh, Arya starts calling the block number just to talk. Yeah. Hey, Cyber Arya, do you want to talk about Ezra? And AD's well, just know, like, oh fuck. Here's the thing. Well, especially when Mona was A, I could honestly see times when Arya like couldn't get a hold of the others, and so she calls A. To like, complain about like whatever the new Ezra drama is, like he basically threw me out of the thing, or what about Jackie Molina or whatever. The problem is then the show becomes just straight up parody of itself. Well, this is how Arya avoided uh, all the A shenanigans just by like like <laughs> Jedi mind tricking and like numbing Mona's brain with like constant <laughs> Ezra bullshit. Well, it could backfire on her because Mona could really want to hurt her the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's um, just the. The Ezria is so awful that it, it like it, it 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 
you know, like uh, it reverses her adrenalized hyper reality. It like somehow shuts it off, uh, you know? like normalizes her basically. Yeah, makes her makes her human. All too unfortunately human. And so she's like, the only thing I can do to get it back is put them all in a room and then have Arya talk about her relationship to the <laughs> others to inflict that pain on them. I need them. to reverse the polarity on this Ezria bullshit. Yeah, you don't realize that you just made a Doctor Who reference. Um, that's so a she's, that's a Star Trek reference. Come on, man. It's originally a Doctor Who reference, though. It's reverse oh. the polarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so Spencer's like chilling at the kitchen island, like her back, or her back door is still left ajar. Um, this is is, is no that... one concerned about a heating bill here or like bugs? Are there no mosquitoes in Rosewood? You just got the door open. In a, in a world of post Sarah Harvey shower bills, mm-hmm. I don't think you really worry. I was, it's like it's uh it's late fall. It's cool. It's a nice. This is fine. So, she's basically as a director, I think, evoking that classic Edward Hopper painting about the girl sending messages and wine bottles to her murderous biological mother, who's also a vampire. That's okay, a really you've great. You've already had two Edward Hoppers in this episode. I just want to warn. And you I that. said there was the there was the first of two. Mm-hmm. So okay, the circle is now complete. Don't let it happen again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's writing a message in a bottle to to herself slash her mom she's gonna put it outside in the crack of the door there that remains open because she is not concerned about any insects or woodland creatures or anything getting in she's gonna be like a deer roaming around her barn later maybe it's just because of where i live right now but this like gives me anxiety like i uh, there could be mosquitoes coming in well because you have a whole I, like I live next to nine wasps swamp, that's out why. your front yeah. door mm-hmm. yeah I'm amazed that like someone like shoving those shit that they put on your door haven't got like, stung by one of your many wasps. Yeah, so Spencer has left the note. Uh, we did not see what the note says, but I, I can only assume it's like you know when and where this, or something. Yeah, but like a lot of this stuff, the messaging of Spencer's that we don't see is my mm-hmm. response to maybe it's not Twincer. Anyway, how, um, do you, how do you mean? Well, the message that she'll get later at the lost woods resort at presumably the when was the at the lost woods yeah yeah she gets a message on her phone oh that we don't see yeah okay. yeah we don't see it but presumably that's somebody saying hello spot of layover then yeah, that's what um, you do when you uh realize you're going to be implicated in a murder but yeah we'll get there hello the, the it's called a layover it's <laughs> a sexy time it's right yeah he's got like a Weird haircut for Ren. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so it's dark. dark. Yeah. Go ahead. Arya pops around a corner. Her phone buzzes. She answers it. It's Avataria on FaceTime again. Well, the, the uh, popping around the corner, it's like this really cool tracking pan that kind of zooms around the corner. She's like peeking around because she's just super, super sneaky and into skullduggery right now. I feel like we've seen this shot like one of like the Daniel Craig bond movies like just give Arya a giant gun that she's holding and boom um, with the silencer that, of course yeah yeah avatar is like you saw this book yourself and Arya's like yes emily and hannah called me when they found it and avatar says where is it now she says they put it back so the cold eyes of avatar just like stare at her and Arya's like is that you lucas are you under all of that and avatar laughs which is more just as concerning under the digital no, mask no, 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 oh, oh, yeah and then, like, would I tell you if I was? You're a good spy, Arya. 
now let's see what kind of thief you are. Oh, she's the best. <laughs> so, so Avataria like holds up a gloved hand, and there's like the digital like numbers two one four there. I love the the technical well, it's, it's just, like printed on the glove, yeah. But it looks like it could be like just like typed on the screen or whatever, and it just happens to fit there. Um, but Ari's like, here we go again. <laughs> She looks sad and a little disgusted with herself because she knows she's going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I just was laughing and inhaling and so excited about mm-hmm. Aria the Thief. Yeah, so later at Spencer's Barn, <laughs> Emily is... Double sl- Aria here. <laughs> Double Aria. <laughs> Emily's slumped on a couch. She's holding an empty wine glass next to her on like, the arm of the couch. Looks like she's had some Cabernet and she's working on a good sulky drunk right now. And then like from... there is Sorry, so there's just not one inch of this scene that is not gorgeous. Oh, this is great. Yeah. From from like the edge of the frame, a wine bottle looms in like to, to fill the glass up. And then Emily's like, no, no more. Then the bottle kind of hesitates and then Emily pushes the glass closer and, and she's like, well, maybe it's just a splash. I love that. So we see the bottle pouring. It's Spencer pouring. Of course, she's filling Emily up. She says, I can't tell you what to do. And Emily says, I didn't come here for you to tell me what to do. I mean, she's the tulpa. She doesn't need to be told what to do. And so Spencer puts a bottle back on the table, and she kind of sits on the stool and sighs, and she's like, okay. And Emily says, what am I going to do? I love that. <laughs> Spencer's like, don't ask my advice. Just please just flip a coin. You'll have a better shot at happiness. And Emily kind of rolls over and stares at the ceiling and she's kind of holding her wine glass in both hands down at her waist. I like this is kind of like a good mirror to drunk Spencer commiserating with Emily back in 704. Yeah. They're both back at the barn. They're both drunk for different well, reasons. It's kind of interesting because you have the whole Avataria thing, but there's a lot of nice reflections and mm-hmm. callbacks, you know, sometimes very literal. <laughs> To previous things and previous movements and body language. Well, I mean, um, two one four we didn't mention. Like that's we have seen two one four a lot on PLL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is I believe that's Jenna's hotel room with the bag and the yes, flute and, music. and also the locker and the combination. And yeah, the, the note that Toby finds and all that. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's it spells out in language bad. Yeah, and Emily says. I don't have a right to ask her to have the baby. Uh, she says I do, but I don't. Not until we know who the father is. Like, the father has nothing to do with this. Like, you wouldn't have more of a right if you knew who the father was. Right? I, I mean, guess all I can think is that she's saying if, like, Lucas is AD and he's the dad, you know, I don't want her to keep this baby. Uh, it's the only <laughs> thing I can think she's meaning. I don't think she can actually mean, like, Gosh, we should get some someone else's opinion in on this. Well, like, I, I mean, I hope. <laughs> like, if it's a random person, then what? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Emily's just using that as an excuse, really. Yeah. Um, anyway, Spencer says she might not know that in time to decide. We may never know. Emily says, just makes me so mad that somebody did this to her. Spencer says, they did it to you, too. Emily sits up. She kind of looks away. She's sniffling a little and says, I just keep thinking about that letter. The letter that Mary Drake wrote before you were born. All the pain and regret. You could feel it coming off the page. I don't ever want to write a letter like that. And Spencer says nothing looking down. That's interesting that Emily knows this much about the letter. I guess 
Spencer shared mm-hmm. it with her Tolba. And mm-hmm. as Spencer's kind of looking away. Well, they all read the letter, remember? Did they? Okay. I yeah. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer kind of glances over and sees that the note that she put in the wine bottle has disappeared uh, from the wine bottle she left outside. Somebody has come to retrieve it. She kind of looks away from the door. She doesn't say anything to Emily about all this. Yeah. So I have a, a read on Emily here. Could be wrong. Shoot. What are you retweeting stuff right now? Okay. I am. Okay. Um, this is where I think Emily's head is at. And mind you, this is not an endorsement of this headspace. I think, like always, Emily wants to be the caretaker at her own expense here. I think she's thinking that if they raise the baby together, it's like that violation somehow like didn't happen or doesn't count the same for Allie. Like somehow she can fix this. Because um, like her talking about the letter, it's like she's not even considering that Allie could abort the the baby anymore. Like, like if, I don't know. I, I think it's totally wrong-headed, but that's where I think Emily's coming from right now. Is like she thinks that she can somehow fix this if they raise the baby together, and then it's like they weren't wounded or, or injured by this. Which I think is as a an interesting continuing idea of PLL, especially post season five, and how how do you transform? How do you live with something? How do you take the dollhouse out of you? But you also have a season where it's not remotely the same thing, but like Peter thought he was sleeping with one woman, but it was another woman. And now she's pregnant and this baby born in a madhouse. And it's like, she's reconciling the furious act, which created her and who is she now? But yeah, I mean, a lot of people unfortunately have situations where they have to have the child of, of violence or trauma or something like this. And the child grows up and it doesn't mean you don't love the child, but it's still hard to let go of, the violation um well i think yeah I, when we watch Emily's this in a and, very complicated place here yeah you know i we're as guilty of this as anyone like we we want the show to somehow endorse the decisions the characters make like if spencer ends up single that's like that's a good thing because it's showing that like hey it's okay to be single so we we don't want the characters to make wrong decisions even though that's what they often do and so it it kind of you know there's this tension between is this is this good storytelling or are we resistant to it because it's not the outcome we want or the outcome that seems healthy, you know? Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that more later, but I don't know. That's, I've been kind of pondering that cause I'm, I'm like kind of a hypocrite where I want it both ways, you know? Yeah. Welcome to the human race. Yeah. But like, uh, I mean, but in general though, to, cause I guess it, Rachel emailed us and asked, you know, I'm in a situation and this kind of resonated with me. What do you guys think of this? And so I responded with my, my personal feeling in the very short version because I thought she was very interested, but I knew we would talk about this to me. The decision will always lie of Allison. Um, it's her body. I mean, that's you know, exactly. It's her it's body. Cut it's her and dry she's, she's the one carrying the child. Um, I don't doubt that Emily obviously has an emotional stake in it. And I would hope that Allison, because it's not like, Emily was aware of this and Allison was the only one who wasn't, you know, they were both violated in yeah, some well, let's, way. Let's say so that. Like, hopefully... I, I want to okay. get to when there, there's a scene where I think they feel like there's more meat on the bone there, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, Cause I want to talk about that. So, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Lucas is lost. It's dark. Hannah lets herself in. Uh, well, she drops where her is keys. Hannah? Good question. Go out for dinner. 
maybe i don't know it's a little yeah. interesting she didn't go out to fish um drops her keys off in a dish starts like head of the bedroom stops herself thinking about it she goes over to that long box to retrieve the comic she opens it up and notices the envelope's gone so she's like flipping through all the bagged issues she realizes the actor's comic is indeed gone and she's like hmm mega hannah face yeah um, and also not to sound like a broken record but there's another really great tracking shot here like moving through the set uh the the lens is a little bit wide here and so all the kind of camera movements feel really kind of agile and, and energetic like i really like this style i uh yeah you you definitely see more of this set like in a single tracking shot than i think we have before um I think the moment's actually long past. I think it was at the very beginning of the episode. But I love that behind-the-scenes photo of, of Troy and looking at the camera with, like, the ring light around the lens, like, going up over oh, the yeah. uh, the board game, which I think is probably the opening shot of the episode. But um, Well, I mean, this scene is essentially, like, we need one piece of info. Hannah finds out that the Arcturus comic is gone. It's basically a one with, like, a couple insert shots. Like, it's pretty cool that, you know, you could have been boring here, but instead they're finding ways to make it interesting yeah and, and this is just like uh, yeah like a half a page scene mm-hmm. and it it's very visually interesting um so allison's living room emily's now on allison's couch looking vulnerable and worried um, <laughs> emily's come to sulk over here now yeah she she <laughs> went and got drunk with spencer but you know didn't want to rub it in Allie's face so fortunately she can walk here <laughs> she can stumble on over emily's like how are you feeling Allison kind of hovers considering it, you know, really like trying to maintain some remove from really like opening her emotions up to this. But she's like pretty good, I think. Emily kind of turns it over, summons her strength, and she says the thing she came in to say. She says, Allie, I want you to have the baby. Well, and Allison says says like, that, she, a shock. When she says that, she isn't even looking at Allie yet. Like she doesn't look at Allie till afterwards. Yeah. yeah. She says, I know I'm asking you more than I have the right to, but. I, but I want to have a chance to raise this child. So it stuns Alice and she slowly sits on the other end of the couch, like staring forward. And we're going to get a lot of like, like Allison in profile or one of them in profile and the other looking at them from behind. And Allison's like, we don't even know who the father is. And then he's like, we know who the father isn't. Well, interesting uh, blocking here. Allie comes and sits down on the couch. She's sitting on the very other end of that couch right now. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of space between them. Yeah. The negative between them is this topic. Um, and then he's like, Look, whoever did this to us, I don't want them to win. And Allison's like, you think that's a good enough reason to have a baby? For Emily, yes, yeah. <laughs> Emily's like, no, no, that's not my only reason, Allie. I understand if you can. Well, so, the, okay. so this, this line, uh, no, no, that's not my only reason. Like, that's so close to being like a Kate and Jack, that's not how you know me line. But Emily, like, isn't willing to push her chips in on it, you know? Like, she, yeah. she could get really emotional there and kind of, imply to Allie that that you know what the the reason is but she doesn't like she's still holding back at this point oh my god just this is on the bingo card this is the moment we wax about lost imagine if like the flash forward started with like finally five years later spencer and aria have a conversation out by the airport and spencer's just like aria we have to go back to rosewood anyway yeah um, um well i think the the other reason here besides you know wanting to to get a win I think this is kind of her final ultimatum. Like, do you really love me, Allie? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't think uh, in the past, it's kind of seemed like Allie was kind of like manipulating. I don't get that from Allie at all in this episode. I don't think this is like 
the the longest slowest con ever from Allie here to like set a trap. I think this is entirely driven by Emily right now. Is the way I'm reading it. Well, and and, and I think as far as you mentioned, Allison, the long cons and the opposite of that. I think that really comes into play later scenes. But like, I don't think Allie I, wants this baby. I don't think she wants to raise it with Emily, but she's being asked to. And it's, yeah, yeah. and that ask is more than just about the baby, which but is I think uh, that, not that you know it's. It's like people make decisions for the wrong reasons all the time. So it's it's not unsurprising. But yeah, it's like that's not a good reason to have the baby. Yeah. So after the beat, Emily's like, okay, but just promise me that you'll at least think about it. So we're looking at them side by side. We kind of turn our focus from Emily in the background to Alice in the foreground, who we still see in profile. She stares forward. She's still stunned. She's like, I promise. Um, yeah, Emily understands that she can't. Like, do you think Emily has the, you know, the right or the, I don't know, the any sort of moral ground to stand on to make that request? Well, okay, to make the request, let's start at the very end. It's mm-hmm. Allison's decision no matter what. The hope would be that you could take input from the other person to have a conversation. I feel like Emily... She does say, is, you know, I, I know I, I, I'm not supposed... To, I don't have the right to ask this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, she, I, I guess I don't believe that there's a situation where Emily's not allowed her own feelings and to sure. hopefully verbalize them in an adult way. That means that without, like, pressure... Like, the what is that thing in Texas where, like, you have to oh, attend the, the funeral oh for your God. abortion? Like, that's, that's yeah, fucking Yeah, or, like, hideous. the... the ultrasound um yeah that's yeah. just fucking ghoulish but like um like i feel like you know emily has allowed her feelings about this and hopefully she can communicate those to allison they can have a conversation but then yeah it's all input for allison to well, i think do it's, whatever she's going to do there's a little bit of gray area though because she's certainly asking like there's an emotional context to this where like true if she's going to ask that question, how can Allie not be moved swayed or, or swayed pressured or, or pressured? Yeah. yeah pressured is a better word, you know, like, so, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Allie could have worded it a bit better here. Cause yeah, there's no way Allie can't kind of have this on her mind now. I, I mean, I just, I firmly believe it's Allison's decision bar none, but yeah, yeah. I, I just, because it's her body and it's her decision and everything, I, I almost by that same mindset, I feel terrible if it's like Emily's feelings don't matter at all. Um, but you know, I, you know, yeah, where they cross over is kind of murky. Well, because um, I guess like Emily having like the the eggs factor, eggs, I don't feel like really means much. You know, like I, I don't know, like it's like on 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 the scale of of balancing things like it's like nothing at all really like she was gonna donate her eggs anyway so but she was gonna donate the eggs in a way that she sought fit yeah i mean i she emily feels violated and rightly so but i don't know if that necessarily means she has any any entree at all into like this decision. but also i don't fully <laughs> understand the surrogate process i don't know is this dna wise like solely a combination of like somebody's sperm and emily's eggs and allison's just like the machinery 
that processes them or like I think that's the way it works. Don't quote me. So you're thinking like like Allison's just like the person carrying this to fruition, but she's like a surrogate mother, essentially, yeah. Yeah, she's a surrogate mother, but I mean like so there's no I don't know, mixture of her DNA. I'm showing my my naivete about some sort of like recombination, yeah, to make like an Allison Emily like super baby or something. I know that sounds absolutely crazy after I Mm -hmm. say it out loud. But I, I'm also sure that there's some Emerson fans who would love it. You know, we haven't brought it up. Um, are you aware of one of the uh, popular theories about who might be the father? Uh, I it's like max, no. maximum uncomfortableness. Oh boy, here we go. And I, I, I bring this up not as an endorsement. Oh sure. my god, they're gonna say you're gonna say Charles. Charlotte, yeah. Oh. Yeah, which uh, it's like. It's like you just want to make this uncomfortable as possible, don't you? You know, like, uh, why, why do we have to go here? Um, so I think that's opening a lot of old wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. No shit. Uh, no. I hope it's not that. But I also hope that there wouldn't be an Emerson baby. So anyway, let's go to. But the- I think I think there are some great scenes in this episode that comes from the storyline. that's not my favorite. Yeah. You know, anyway. So um, God, where the fuck are we? Oh, so Spencer's barn. There's a great shot of we see her. We're outside the bedroom. We see into the bedroom, half half the bed. Spencer's like laying back on the bed. So we like see her legs. Um, I, like that. I like that, yeah. Yeah, and then she, oh, there's some movie. I'm trying to remember what it is where you see half the bed through the doorway. Anyway, so it's something similar. Um, and so she lifts herself up like she's just heard something shocking because she's on the phone of Hannah. I see that annoys um, me because I know I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of a movie either. But yeah, yeah, I, it's and it's like some some cinematographer who you know has done many great things. Fuck, gross um, point blank. No, no, I'm thinking John Cusack. Earlier, okay. Um, I'm thinking like 70s, early 80s. Uh, All right. Uh, anyway, so she's like, "What do you mean it's gone?" And Hannah at the brew and the other end of this calls in her pure fury mode and she's like what do you think i mean it's gone and then as she says it this dude <laughs> passes by her and she just glares at him for looking in on her conversation and i fucking love it and he like sneers at her it's great like i just want to know was this written yeah or, or is this like a on the day choice they found this extra and they're like yeah this is what we want you to do because i mean if it's written i guess i can't wait to ask joseph Jordy about this like this great tense moment. You're just like, I'm just going to airdrop this in there real quick. But uh, Hannah continued. It's like, it's not in the place where we left it. Whoever took it knew where to look. Like, Aria. <laughs> um, in the barn, Spencer just kind of like rubs the bridge of her nose. And she's like, okay, well, that brings us back to Lucas. And Hannah's like, he's on a retreat. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, at least that's what his office told you. Lucas is like, doing like a ropes course right now. Yeah. A lot of trust falls in the woods mm-hmm. uh, or not fishing. Um, but Hannah's like losing her shit with this like amateur hour nonsense. And she's like, Spencer, we keep falling behind. All right. We have to find something that will give us an edge. She, Spencer has no time for her troops to fall apart. And she's <laughs> like, drink some decaf, go back to the loft, and wait for Emily to like stumble home. And Hannah's like, not much of a plan. But Spencer looks over and seeing that there's suddenly a new note sticking out of that wine bottle waiting for her. And she's like, yeah, well, that's all I've got right now. Just imagine Later. like Mary crouching next to the door, like, 
oh, peeking yeah. in, waiting for Spencer to like turn around so she can duck over and put. I wanted in. to say that during the Spencer and Emily scene, it's like she's read the note and she's about to just like pull out a pen and quickly write a response and put it back in there, but then Emily comes in and it's just like, I need wine. So Mary's <laughs> just like outside, like clinging to the wall, like, well, I need wine too. Oh, that's but the I worst. You have no wine because you're staking out. <laughs> she's like, can I sneak in and grab a bottle? Night. maybe she can sneak into like the Hastings wine cellar and get around yeah but like i also because obviously i mentioned on twitter but i love this kind of analog all the president's men messaging system partially because i'm re-watching that movie the dead because drops. of the dead drops but because of you know the world we live in and the situation we're in politically right now but sure. uh they also did that um do you remember on the x-files oh the x uh, yeah yeah i was like, totally thinking like Spencer yeah. needs to put an X on her window and put a lamp behind it to contact Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Hannah's like later too. Spencer hangs up, marches over that wine bottle, picks it up, pulls out the note, starts to unroll it, and in the process, a key falls out. Hmm. Key clatters the ground. She picks it up. Ooh, what's this? So back at the brew, Hannah is putting some cream in her coffee when Mona, pause for applause. Marches up behind her, just looking alpha as fuck right now. Fabulous well, as ever. Fantagram's playing. Nice uh, salmon blazer there. Fantagram, is that a band? That's a band. Okay. Because your note said some Fantagrams. And I was like, what is some Fantagrams? Oh, some Fantagram song. Sorry. Yeah. I okay. just type it so fast. I love Fantagram. Anyway, yeah. Mona says, did you know about this? And she shoves a tablet in Hannah's face. And Hannah kind of squints confused and shrugs and she's like know about it i don't even know what it is and mona says it's a real estate listing for our factory space and it's like it's what and then she takes the tablet and like she's gonna read it for real this time mona says all that talk about lucas backing you all the way that's all it was talk he put the factory up for sale he's selling your business out from under you before we even started and it's like lucas did this and mona says the contacts his office and she crosses her arms and does this awesome little like sideways head bob, like, uh-uh, girl, he did not. And Hannah looks off and just kind of considering all the new shit about Lucas that Mona doesn't know about yet. And Mona says, I underestimated him. He's as sneaky as I am. Hardly. Uh, Mona, no one is as anything as mm-hmm. you are. Seriously. And Hannah kind of, she's come to your decision now. She looks up and she says, I have to show you something, but you cannot tell anyone. And Mona just has this look like, fine, bitch, let's do this. So, <laughs> Lucas, are you, is he cutting ties? Is he uh, burning a bad investment while he still can? Or could this be, like, I, I saw a couple theories. One, this is AD doing this to, like, make Lucas look guiltier, right? Mm. Just fake mm. listening. The other is Mona did this because she senses something's up with Hannah, but, like, she needs to push Hannah over the edge to get Hannah to start talking. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Uh, the other thing that... Like, occurs to me is that um we're about an hour and a half into this and we've only gotten to the halfway point <laughs> that sounds about right to me okay so cut to the moonlit halls of rosewood high at night aria rounds the corner in silhouette she's got a flashlight in hand bag hanging from her shoulder and she's walking past the lockers moves down the hall until she finds locker 214 and she does her patented over the shoulder check and then she tries to lock and it opens up the locker's empty inside, and she kind of points the light around to see if there's anything in there. There's nothing in there. She pulls out the manila envelope that obviously has the Arcturus comic in it. And she hesitates for just a moment, and then she puts it inside the locker and shuts the door. 
And she walks away and like three steps later, as, as after she started walking away, she hears like a faint noise from the lockers behind her. And like she turns around and like suddenly it's like she's thought better of all this. So she like shakes her head and she hurries back to locker 214. But when she opens it, the comic is gone. Somehow already A has made the switcheroo. Comic is gone and in its place a black hoodie. Arya slowly takes the A uniform. She ponders it. And she looks around down the hall with her flashlight. No one's there. Put it on, Arya. See how it feels to be in control. How the hell did A manage this one? This is like, this is the end of the conversation here. I would have like, like a false torn, back to that locker. It has to be. I would have torn this building apart trying to figure that out. Like punch through the back of it or something. Yeah, yeah. A is just like hiding behind a false wall on the other side. Oh, shit. <laughs> It was um, like like seconds later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be great if she's like like fist clenched, pounding at that thing, and like her phone buzzes, and there's like Avatari who's just like pay no attention to the person cowering <laughs> behind that locker. Ignore me. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, then we go to commercial. Let's, let's keep the Adventure Brothers references coming. Hot references, man. <laughs> We need we need the combination between the romper and the speed suit. We don't. Um, yeah, fade in on the rally lounge. You get a nice two shot here of Emily and Paige. They're facing each other. The Radley bar is in the background between them. They're kind of sitting in armchairs there, turned to each other. Music's quietly playing. And I really like these shots where like the camera's just kind of like slowly tracking forward or backward. Like it yeah, just adds yeah. an extra element of drama, I feel like. Like especially like beginning and ends of scenes, you know. Like you really feel well, like the the propulsive element, the propulsive element, like some distance growing. Yeah, um, <laughs> this relationship coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, the, there's something about the music that's kind of like a slow beat to it that, like, you're like, yeah, this is some fucking breakup music. Well, and like one point, the the line in the song is like, if it's not this scene, it's the next one. It's like, <laughs> and we're gonna find out who we are. And it's like, <laughs> oof. Um, so Emily says. If Allie decides to have the baby, then we'll tell people the truth about how it's not really Dunhill's and it's mine, half mine. Paige is like, yours and Allison's. And he's like, she didn't ask to be a part of this. And so Paige considers this, looks off, trying to hide a smirk. And she's like, or she doesn't say anything. And he says, I don't want to force her. It's what I want. Paige is like, Allison is having your baby. It's like she had to say it just to acknowledge out loud the absurdity of it. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking of like the 80s sitcom version, which is just like the Emerson baby has three moms. Yeah. No, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Paige is like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Emily's like, we're or, so Paige watches Emily fall and she stands up. Like, oh, she's Emily, away. Emily says she hasn't made up her mind yet. Yeah, that's right. Paige stands up like she's walking away. And I'm just like, where are you going? Paige's Paige like, like, Iowa. <laughs> Paige's like, I'm buying the next round and probably the one after that. Well, and there's some interesting kind of low angle shots here as she's like standing up, looking down at Emily here. Um, just the power dynamic here. Like it's not often that Paige has hand in the relationship, but she certainly yeah. has it right now. Yeah. Uh, so she, she Paige leaves is, and Emily is just stewing right now. Paige is great in this, this episode for, well, for reasons we'll get into. Uh, meanwhile, well, real quick, just a few more thoughts on the, this whole setup. Um, Emily wanting Allie to keep the baby is like Emily always has power in her relationships, except when it comes to Allie. 
Mm-hmm. And so like this is kind of a test for that. And I kind of wonder if on Allie's side, because we we don't really have a sense of where Allie's head is other than that she's kind of like thrown by Emily's request there. I kind of wonder if maybe Allie was thinking the whole time, I'm going to extend this courtesy to Emily uh, before I abort the baby. And then suddenly like Emily says like exactly what she wasn't expecting, you know? Yeah. Like I'm because because you're involved in this, I'm gonna extend you this courtesy and like hold off on on my decision until you're cool with it. And then suddenly Emily's just like, "Let's have it." And Allie's like, "Fuck." Yeah, well, hold off on the the decision that I've pretty much already mm-hmm. made. Yeah. I just haven't signed the paperwork and taken the pill. Um, but I like your first point there, and I think what's brilliant though about this, and obviously we're we're getting up to it, but like there's a certain reading of Allison and why not take the character like least that we least expect to have that perspective and have them kind of deliver that reading on her. Um, I think as a writer, if whenever you, you and I've done this before where it's like one of us has a reaction or mostly you've had a reaction to a scene and I've always thought, well, just have the character say that (laughs) (laughs) the character. It's not out of character for the character to say it, do it. Um, and I think they kind of do that a little bit in this episode. But uh Well yeah, I, I feel like I should say I really like all these scenes on micro levels. Mm-hmm. It's just the the macro story that I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, but yeah, for the storyline that's that's you know coming down the pipeline, you've got a great script, great direction, great actors doing their best. Well, it's it's and it's, it's fantastic. Like, of all the ways you could have set up the dominoes, why did you have to set them up to fall that way? Kind of this is the feeling. Uh, but yeah, cut to the game board. Mona this? is seeing the game board and she is swooning. I mean, I'm an old man and I'm jaded now. And this scene made me made my heart flutter, made me believe in love again. <laughs> Mona this is like, oh, my. This is 500 days of summer for me. Kind of affection. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mona's leaning over the board, just a delighted curiosity as Hannah's kind of waiting behind her. And Hannah's like, "Okay, Mona, hurry! I don't know how long she'll be gone." So, is this at Allie's right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. they're at Allie's. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure at first if they're at the barn or not. It's <laughs> the best part. This is an episode of a lot of people just breaking into someone else's house. To Where do the something. fuck is Allie? She's good question. Where do you? Where does she? Where is she going? I'm like, is this the next day? I know because Mona's outfit's the same outfit. Emily is like, Emily went and got drunk with Spencer and then she went and sulked with Allie and then now she's going to get drunk with Paige? It's a busy night. This well, is all the I mean, same night? Wow. I feel like she's certainly... Owed it. I'm trying to remember what the new costume person's name is it's uh cameron dale right Mm -hmm. sure yeah i just i just want based on what you're saying i want this to be a new thing in fashion salmon alpha how am i going to dress the character salmon alpha uh but yeah this is the same night hannah just took her straight to allison's yeah i'm I'm looking back through the episode i believe this is all the same night yeah (laughs) emily's having a quite a night here she's moving around getting drunk in various places She's, Allie, yeah, her liver is doing some stuff in leather pants. Yeah, maybe Hannah's talking about like when Allie gets back because she like I don't know sent Allie on like a wild goose chase or something. Like told her she needed to go somewhere. 
Hey, uh, this is uh, this is uh, Diablo packages. You got a package? Wait, better come pick it up, or we're gonna throw it in the trash. I think you mean person. Speed Demon Express. Sorry, this is Speed Demon Express. Say fuck you. We got a package here. Yeah, <laughs> this is just the worst customer service I've ever got on the phone. Yeah, well, in your face, bitch. Like, come get our package. Yeah. Ali's <laughs> like, I don't fucking need this shit. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Where were we here? Uh, <laughs> okay, Mona. So Mona smiles gleefully. She leans over to put her ear to the game top. Then Hannah's like, well, Caleb already did that. He didn't hear anything. And Mona's like, it's it's giddy. It's excited. It's just this side of like orgasmic sensual pleasure. She's just like, that's because he didn't know what to listen for. I can't hear a fan, but and she kind of places her palm on it like she's taking its pulse and she's like i can feel where it's warm where the batteries are oh i love that it's like she's feeling a living organism she kind of she finally raises her head and straightens up and has like batteries i thought it ran on bitchiness and Mona hmm. says it has a finite amount of power like one of those rovers you send to mars aren't those like nuclear isotopes and those things yeah but you know i feel bad for hannah because like not a bad line Mm-hmm. Not a bad line, but it's like Mona's, Mona's just like found proof that God exists in her world. God I mean, she's machine. like, she's like John Locke pounding on the uh, the hatch, and the light comes on. <laughs> yeah, so Mona just kind of sighs to herself and looks back at Hannah, and she says, "You're going to have to finish the game before the batteries run down." And Hannah just closes her eyes, like wincing, looking up at the ceiling in frustration, and. Mona crouches down to study the little slot on the side of the board. And just as she's poking a finger towards the opening, a short little knife blade just shoots out like ching. And Mona <laughs> kind of gasps and ducks away. And then she she stands up quickly, just grinning like a mad woman. She's laughing. She's just tickled, tickled pink by this yeah. game. And the blade slowly retracts. And Mona's just like touchy, isn't it? And she kind of giggles some more. Hannah is not having any of this. She's like, Mona, I brought you here to help me, not admire the craftsmanship. My turn is next. We have to shut this thing down. Mona says, I understand that, Hannah, but sometimes you have to stop and admire the craft behind the dirty tricks. So you're going to hate this, but this is uh, this is like the Doctor Who scene that Joseph Doherty wrote. How do you he's, basically written, he's basically written Janelle Parrish as the Doctor. Okay. This, this is like means. the Doctor's reaction to like death traps. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, gets into the hardcore addiction talk, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she says this. We get close-up shots of the board panning from the rally to the police station, from go to jail to the church. The church. Well, and she raises her hands like she's almost like genuflecting to the machine. She's just amazed by the game. She's like, ah, I wish I could have built something like this. And Hannah's like, you do? And Mona's like, <laughs> think about the mind that can see this. Hannah's kind of frowning now. And Mona's like running a hand like lovingly over the board. And she's like, I build a dollhouse. When you can turn the entire town into a dollhouse. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Just like rubbing her hand on the boards more, just caressing the board. I like all these like overhead shots we're doing this. And Hannah's kind of blanching at this. And she's like, do you two want to be alone together? What if Mona said yes? Mona's totally going to fuck this board. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. like, where's the button to extend the Sibian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Mona ignores Hannah. Jumanji Sibian. She reaches for her phone. That takes Hashtag some photos that, of this thing. Uh, and Hannah just like walks off behind her. He almost got me to crack there. Um, <laughs> so over at the window, Hannah is peeking, peeking outside, just keeping watch. And she looks back at her girlfriend, Mona, maybe a little concerned now, like, hmm, perhaps this was not a good idea. 
I've created a sensual monster. <laughs> oh, what a what a just absolute delight this scene is. It's so perfectly in character for Mona to to swoon over this creation. And yeah. I really like the the ambiguity it's created here. Like Mona wants to help Hannah, but like showing her this catnip, this is a dangerous game. Like yeah. she is a reformed A here. <laughs> oh, I just love that that <laughs> that idea of the journalist of reality is like the greatest drug of all time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, I'm a vampire of a soul. How could you bring me to this orgy of blood? <laughs> um, so back at the rally, we got, we got another two shot of Emily and Paige again. This time we're looking at them from the opposite side. They've got both got tumblers in hand now. Um, Emily's oh, like, leaning Emily's over. doing wine and liquor. Emily's going to be, she's going to have a little bit of a happy ending and then she's going to be barfy poo. Um, which Ali, hey, Ali's like, I will have the baby, and Ali's just like, it's all over. <laughs> which is like gonna be quite frankly good practice. <laughs> um, Emily's like, lean over, perhaps a little bit eager. It's like she wants to say something. Paige considers all the new shit's come to light, man. And she says, Great opening line to the scene. I think Iowa just got an assistant coach. Does does Paige know about A now? Like, how did Emily explain how this? do you? You explained things. Yeah. Like, how do you leave that out? Yeah, I, I like that line. Just, I think like, I, I just got an assistant coach. Like we like, all. We, sorry, Paige. Clerical error. <laughs> Emily kind of laughs a little, and she says, "You don't have to leave." And Paige is like, "Who am I if I stay?" Yeah. Emily says, "Nobody wanted this." And Paige says, "Somebody did. They just never asked any of us." Emily says, "Can we just try and make this work?" You know, you and me and Allie. <laughs> Paige's face is like, you can't fucking be serious. Uh, she says, um, everyone would be miserable, which is the truth. Mm-hmm. And Paige says, you'd think we'd be all postmodern 21st century, but it would not be like that. And you know it. And he's like, hey, we could try. And Paige says, I've learned so much from loving you. One of the most important things you taught me is not to be greedy. And Emily kind of lowers her eyes like, can't really dispute that i mean i guess that's one way to describe emily's constant withholding is that she's teaching you not to be greedy <laughs> she gets off on withholding like don draper mm-hmm. um yeah Paige leans in closer now takes a deep breath like lowering her voice looking emily right in the eyes oh i love this now you have to listen to me she says this is the third time i've said goodbye to you i'm never gonna say it again this is how you dump someone this is how you End it. Yeah, Emily's a little downcast, tasting this bitter truth. She nods sadly, looks up. Emily's like, I have to do this. Paige's like, of course you do. That's what makes you Emily. Um, so Emily's in near tears. Paige is at peace now, smiling slightly. The song in the soundtrack is talking about how you need to stay strong. We get another two shot closer, just the two faces now. Emily or Paige leans in, gives Emily a, like a last long kiss as she says, as she pulls away, there's a tear rolling down her cheek. She Savers the feeling for a bit, stands up, song is singing like you are not alone as Paige pulls away, chin or pulls chins her finger. Ah, God, Slow down. Fuck. As Paige pulls Emily's chin up with her finger so Em can look her in the eyes one last time. And then Paige leaves, doesn't look back, like Shane, as Emily watches, you know, her go behind her. Well, and like the kind of the beat takes us out here, the song playing on the soundtrack as Paige walks away and the camera's kind of pulling back. Uh, this is a good scene. It's a nice denouement for the Paley relationship. It um, I think all of this though is like 
quite frankly, you know the writing on the wall as far as ships. You know you're losing this actor who's been in the show for seven years. Like, not not insubstantial has you know obviously meant something to a lot of people in a very vocal way. A lot of the fan base. How do you turn this goodbye into like a strength? And I think they've done it. Well, I think this this particular scene is a lot more emotionally mature than some of the other scenes we've had with Paige since yeah. she's come back. You know, like some of the stuff was just straight up high school, but yeah, this is like more more evolved well in the, in the the game of like love that is emily's heart and winning that like Paige is going to lose so how do you find a way to be the better person you know mm-hmm. um and this is a this would be a great ending to the page character but i love that it's not the ending um yeah one more scene coming up yeah so, so uh yeah emily's on the losing end of the power dynamic here i don't think she likes the feeling Paige is like, welcome to my world. <laughs> Paige is like, you just told me there's a new A. Deuces. Yeah. I'm going to do what I did last time, which was the smart move. Get the fuck out. Yeah. So meanwhile, at the Lost Woods in the middle of the night, at first I wasn't sure where this was because the sign's like not on at all. But this is the Lost Woods. Now, all the lights are off except for a few kind of small outdoor lamps for walkways by the building there. And then we cut to inside. You see the deadbolt lock turn and the door creaks open. There's Spencer coming in with a flashlight. She's got this kind of like light. Maybe it's white. It's hard to tell. Like light colored trench coat on with dark trim. It looks yeah. super awesome in this dark lighting. She looks like a private detective from Tron. Uh, it's such a cool look. But yeah, she comes inside. She's looking around. There's still a bunch of mail piled up from the mail slot right in front of the door. Mm. Which makes me think, like, what if the Spencer we thought we saw peeking into this window back in Seven Eleven was the twin, and not Spencer? Okay. Because I don't know. Didn't we about see the way... her? We seen Didn't Spencer we see her come once. Inside? No, she doesn't come inside, but she looks through the window and she sees the mail. Which we I didn't know... see the sling then. Oh, that's a good question. I'd have to. Go she back came around the window, that. right? I can I can check that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you continue. So yeah, she sees the mail. She. Place her flashlight, you know, around the room at a framed lost wood sign on the wall, empty couches. She tries a door in the far side of the room, but whatever she sees in there doesn't interest her. Eventually, she makes her way over to the foreground and sits down at a table by a lamp. She will wait. Um, I kind of wanted her to do the uh, the Bond thing where she just pulls out a deck of cards and plays solitaire while she waits. But um, Okay, Spencer does have a sling on her arm. And so, yeah, so, so cut to Ezra's apartment. <laughs> We hear someone enter, but we're looking at a man's packed bag next to the door, which, Ezra, you're just copying a Hastings move there. Um, I know he did it before earlier in, in 7B, but still. Um, Arya steps in and like pauses immediately, seeing this luggage, then looks up and sees Ezra sitting on the couch. She's caught him writing like basically a Dear John note, and like he looks guilty. He looks totally also, guilty. He was just about to leave this note here. Why don't you talk about Arya's boots? Ari has some like crazy weird like fringy like cowgirl boots or something. Not quite cowgirl, but like they're kind of like kind of like reverse cowgirl. High ankle with a bunch of like leather fringe. I don't know. They're they're crazy. It's like her outfit's totally normal except for those boots. God, how many times have we said that about Ari? <laughs> but yeah, uh, she sets her purse down, watching Ezra suspicious, and says, uh, "Oh, do you want to do this scene? We got a lot of dialogue here. This is a great scene, by the way. I think we could do. Who do you want to be?" um i'll leave that up to you 
Is there a way for you to do not your standard Ezra voice if you do Ezra? Everything's okay. I mean, if if you insist, that's fine. Okay. I don't. I just. I. I think that like if you did it more straight to Ian Harding, it's funnier actually. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you. I'll let you figure that out. I'll start. You're packed. Why are you packed? Everything's okay. Uh, Nicole's parents want me to come to Maine. He kind of stands up, puts that note he was just writing in his pocket. I love that. He's I like, yeah, that. you're not going to see this. Oh, I, I would love to be in a situation in my real life like that. And I, I want to be like, I, like, I want to be like a lawyer. Like, I need that in evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I need that bagged right now. Aria pulls out a latex glove from her pocket. <laughs> Let's have it. Yeah. Uh, if everything's okay, why are you packed? They just need somebody to talk to the doctor and they don't like the new one. Okay, can't you just call the doctor on the phone? It's it's easier this way. Easier to pack a bag, go to the airport, get on a plane, and rent a car on the other side? They asked me to come. And he kind of holds his hands up like, what are you going to do? And he walks past her to pick up his bag, and we kind of hold on Arya. She chews on this and decides she'd rather spit it out instead. Ezra, do you honestly believe that whatever's happening there, her parents can't handle it? And she's not hiding the anger now. He sets his bag down, maybe getting a little angry himself. This is just for right now. What happens next time? What happens after we're married? I am just trying to figure my way through today. So am I. I'll be back in two days. I don't want you to come back. I want you to stay. You're putting me in the middle here. No, you're in the middle. I did not put you there. You're not the only one struggling through this. You don't know what I've done for us, what I've done for you. He just kind of shakes his head confused. He's too busy thinking about his own excuses here to really comprehend what she was kind of suggesting there. Arya, what Nicole went through was the worst thing in the world, which you know nothing about. Uh, And she survived. And when she came back, her whole world was different. That's not fair. It's not something you can fix. I'm not trying to fix it. Yes, you are. And I know this because I spent my life trying to fix things. I know how it can make things worse instead of better. We're talking about two days. Yeah, so she sighs, turns away to take a breather from this asshole. In the background, we can hear like a police siren very briefly outside the window. When Arya turns back to face Ezra, her right hand lingers on her wedding ring for a minute. It's a nice little gesture. Call that a a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Ezra, I love you. I helped you write that book, so I know something about how you feel. You think you own Nicole. This isn't about Nicole. This is about me trying to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. Arya, uh, I can't make any more mistakes, okay? I need to figure out how to make this right for everybody. Then stay. Make things right. Here now and he just looks down he's unwilling to acknowledge the issue he says we'll figure this out when i get back he picks up his bag ezra please when i get back he says it with a kind of an anger that makes me wonder is there more to his frustration than general assholery like could could ad maybe be running ezra right now i don't know i wonder the ian harding's getting the uh, calls the ian harding face (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I part of me, just because I like, like duplication, I was like, what if Ezra comes back from the airport later tonight and it's just like half the closet is empty? Ooh, 
She's like, I learned it from Caleb. And Caleb's just like, high five. That's that's a power move, Arya. Um, or not fishing. <laughs> yeah. So Ezra, he opens the door. Arya is basically at a loss. So the door just shuts behind him. It shuts hard behind him. And then uh, we cut to commercial. I really well, like this scene. Oh, it seems great. And they 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 do a great job. The you know the, the two of them acting their way through this, and especially a scene where they don't typically have gotten. I feel like this is in their one of my together. one of my favorite Arya Ezra scenes. This feels like maybe the first, maybe the only like mature fight that they've ever had. Yeah, like well, she's finally stood up for herself. In I'm real definitely way. on Arya's side here, but it, it feels like it's a more equal footing in the relationship than we typically get. Like it feels yeah. like a real fight. It's not just like kind of drama, you know, because of like a misunderstanding or something like that. This is like they they both have like dug in perspectives here and they're well, not on the same page. Okay, so take out Nicole's trauma and take out like Avataria. <laughs> this is a very real adult fight that a lot of couples have had. Um, in some some form, these kind of issues have definitely been 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 there. What the only thing that bothers me about this scene, and, and it's a great like the continuing storyline of like whatever's happening with Nicole into Seven B since she's been alive again with those twigs in her hair, mm-hmm. she emerged out of the jungle. It's a great scene in that continuing storyline. But like the glee in which people were like, "Ooh, Arya's a driving force of this seat of this episode. Like she doesn't have to like be weighed down by Ezria <laughs> stuff." And it's like, boom, yeah, she does. There's well, an anchor there. <laughs> you know what? This is one of their best scenes, so I'll allow it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like really, I said, one of my favorite episodes ever. <laughs> I think it's really interesting too that Ezra has been kind of playing this kind of, "I am just uh, being pulled by outside forces. Like, don't blame me" type of attitude. Until he, when he finally kind of turns the heat up at the end of this, suddenly it is about him. And it's about him, you know, I've got to be able to look myself in the mirror. I can't make any more mistakes. Like, he's been kind of avoiding responsibility for all his actions through all their conversations in this episode. And then suddenly it is about him. Yeah. Uh, well, as she's, she's literally being, like, taunted by <laughs> dark mirror of her own face to do horrible shit but like it's kind of postmodern in a way too because ezra's like aria the scene's almost the series is almost over and did you see that oral history of that guy ian harding he called me a child molester yeah i mean i i don't agree with this perspective but i feel like it's nice to get um any kind of perspective from him i guess you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's not just like placating or, or manipulating. Yeah, clearly manipulating. And God, what was it? Was it like season five? Like from season five on, I just always like have seen Ezra as this, I don't want to say grand, but <laughs> manipulator. Just, um, it makes me think of uh, when he read Arya's essay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I love that. It dawned <laughs> on him. Oh, I'm the asshole. Well, which is funny because then five years later, he's just so flabbergasted mm-hmm. by like Liam's critique. <laughs> yeah, really. Are we reading the same beautiful piece of literature, Liam? Oh, poor Liam. Anyway, uh, yeah. later on, we can hear some nighttime crickets and some footfalls as we kind of watch a shadow on the floor slowly approach and loom over Allison sleeping on the couch. And Allie kind of rolls over and opens her eyes and then like 
kind of belatedly gasps in shock as she looks up. And then there's this really great, like, quick cut to Paige looming over. She just said, Paige just says, I knocked. And she's, like, looming over Allie kind of half upside down. It's mm-hmm. so off-putting the way this, like, cuts from, like, Allie looking one way at the camera to Paige looking the other. Upside down in the air, though. Because mm-hmm. remember, we got we talked about before there was season six maybe there was those great shots of Spencer and Hannah where they were on the couch and they were yeah, upside yeah. down, but this is like page in the air. <laughs> this is, uh, I took Gotham's white knight and I brought him down to our level page right now. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great cut. And page says the door is open. You should watch that. <laughs> Allie's just like staring up, breathing heavily. Just like, what the fuck? Cause page is like just that right level of like, jokey but creepy at the same time here well and it, yeah it's playing to those aspects of page the keep fucking up all the trash cans in town drowning girls in pools it's like she just had her big crescendo exit and now you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen in this room well page i think normally inadvertently seems kind of weird or creepy now right now she's she's embracing that like she's kind of playing with it a little i think because <laughs> well, it's Allie and she, and... she does not like Allie, so she's not afraid to do that to her. Well, I think I think when you watch this sequence going in uh, out of the scene, all of Paige and like seven ten just flashes through your mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. So meanwhile, Spencer's at that side table in the room in the Lost Woods. She checks her watch again. She's bored. She oh yeah, phone buzzes. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned it in the in the last time we saw Spencer entering this area. She checked her watch with her flashlight, so she's definitely wearing a watch right now. Yeah. And then her phone buzzes, yeah. She uh, pulls the phone out She from her purse. She checks it. It seems like she's replying to a text here. We don't see what's on her screen, but I think you can kind of hear some faint tapping like she's replying to a text or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just then, there's a loud creak in the wooden floorboard outside. She looks up. We see a beam from a flashlight play over the open front door, and Spencer stands up. She's bracing herself human-sized shadow appears against the door and then a light shines in her eyes she kind of holds up her hand to shield her, her eyes and it's not mary it's marco marco says hello spencer uh he's come to call on her spencer grimaces and kind of he lowers her flashlight and steps inside he says i was coming over to your place i saw you leave the barn spencer's like you followed me and he says yes I love that. I love how he like he has no excuse. He's not going to like play it cool or anything. He's like, yeah, I followed you. <laughs> she says, you saw I was going someplace and you followed me. That's right. And then he waited outside for an hour, 58 minutes. And Spencer's <laughs> like, doesn't that seem a little odd to you? I like it because it's like she knows she's busted and she's trying to push it back on him. And he's like, no, no. I I I know where you are right now. I have the well, the upper hand here. Well, there's also an interesting take on this because this is Spencer, who you know, we all knew that they were they were building a Sparko thing and they slept together like two episodes ago. But there's she's coming kind of <laughs> almost from that angle, although she is also guilty of the thing that he thinks she's guilty of. In another narrative, though, he's the hero cop yeah. who's been betrayed by the woman he's developed feelings for. Yeah, he says, oh, I this is a, a film noir scene right here. Yeah. Oh, I've got a whole list of things that seem odd to me about this case. And he steps closer. <laughs> and I think this is where Spencer needs to be realizing, like, 
cop Marco has shown up, not lover Marco. Yeah. Um, but so the other thing too is, like I said, this this kind of felt like where Marco Fury became like Linda Tanner to me. And as you remember, Joseph Jordy was always like, you know, I always wrote Linda Tanner's a smart cop. <laughs> I'm not responsible for what the rest of you did. <laughs> um, because he is very smart here. And I almost wanted him to be like, Spencer, the longer I investigate a case and after I fucked a suspect, it should get simpler. But this case keeps getting more complicated. But I think it is getting simpler, which is the problem. Yeah. 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 So he says, who are you supposed to meet here? Spencer's like, no one. <laughs> As if. He says, you asked me to help you once and I did. Hell, I was glad to. But things have changed. If the snowball keeps going, there's nothing I can do to help you. Spencer's like, what snowball are we discussing? He says, every theory that I can come up with to figure out what happened to Archer Dunhill keeps circling back to you and Allison and your friends, especially to you. Spencer's like, why especially to me? He says, like everybody else, you're connected to Dunhill through Allison, but you have two connections. You have Mary Drake. I think Spencer's now finally got her shields up. She says, I think I'm going to go home now. So she walks past him. And he, he lets her go, but then he calls back to her as she gets the door. He says, did you know that Dunhill is at the bar? And this stops her short. And I think this is where you and I are just like, oh, shit, they're going to go there. Yes. <laughs> Marco says, the Radley bar, the same night that we were, the night he disappeared. Spencer's like, no, how did you know he was there? And her eyes are kind of shifty now, like she's looking for the trap. And Marco says, maybe it wasn't after all, but his credit card was. Same card used to buy the train ticket. I finally got the statement today. Way to go, uh, like Roseville Public Bank or whatever. Like that took a while to get that bank statement. Yeah, you slipped again though. Rosewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I say Roseville? Whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, we we discussed <laughs> this exact thing. We're like, surely they would have figured out the the bank issue by now. You know, like to see the credit card. But well, and that's the best not. thing ab- about that scene. My God, that great episode, Hit and Run, mm-hmm. Run, Run, is <laughs> all the reasons we've talked about why we love that episode. But like, I'm glad we did the rewatch on that. Yeah. Yeah. There's the part of you, the audience member, who's just like, oh, shit, she's going to use Archer Dunhill's card. You know, like mm-hmm. you're just dying for it. You're dying for it. And finally, yes, yes. Well, it, we have to remember, too, they they wrote and shot these all in sequence. Like there was mm-hmm. no like eight month fucking gap. You know, so like it probably felt a little more propulsive than the writing. And like maybe if you're binge watching it, this would seem like it was paying off a little sooner, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, the eight month gap was killer. (laughs) Yeah. So he he finally got the statement and there's kind of like this low bass pulse, like roaring on the soundtrack in Spencer's ears as she suddenly flashes back to that night at the bar in 704. We get these kind of quick cut flashbacks. Spencer saying, I didn't order this. And the bartender's like, he did. And it pans over to Marco smiling. Marco says, what are you doing tonight? And Spencer says, burying a body. And they both laugh at that. They're having a good time. Spencer says, check, please. This one's on me. And then, like another roar on the bass there in the soundtrack as we see her pull out a credit card from her wallet and toss it on a check. And in slow motion, we see the name on the card, Elliot Rollins. And cut back to Spencer in the Lost Woods here. She's realizing her mistake. Oh, fuck. And we see shots of the bill receipt. Spencer's signing her own name, Spencer Hastings. And I think she knows she's fucked now. Well, this is really on the bartender. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. 
<laughs> he should have been like, excuse me, ma'am. I know that you and this guy are clearly about to go like crush bones in the elevator over there, but uh, this yeah, card, just, your signature. <laughs> he's just trying to keep Spencer in some good olives, you know? He is. Yeah. He sure is. In that regard, he just, I hope she tipped him very well. Yeah. So Marco says, I requested paper receipts from the hotel. I'm interested in seeing the signature on that bill. Once that happens, there's going to be more questions. And that's something I can't control. Do you understand? So he knows, like he is, he's pretty oh, yeah. certain that Spencer's name is going to be on the bill. And he, I think he's already kind of put together that they were kind of stringing along this, this presence of Dunhill with the credit cards. Uh, and so Spencer's just like, can I go now? And he says, I can't stop you. So she stomps off, hopefully like straight to Hannah's, like, let's get access to your mom's hotel receipts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call Ashley. Let's mm-hmm. get this going. Yeah. Ashley's like, I've been waiting to commit a crime for a while. It took you so long. Uh, he stays inside. He's kind of grim, but unsurprised as the door creaks shut, signaling Spencer's departure. So um, I think it was Cabernet A was like speculating that like Spencer was supposed to use Marco's or not Marco, um, Dun- Archer, Elliot's card, but sign it as Elliot. I don't think she was supposed to use Elliot's card at that bar. There's cameras all over that bar. I think the purpose of her at the bar was to establish her own alibi use yeah. her own card and she fucked up and used his Elliot's card instead. his card was to buy the train tickets mm-hmm. yeah she was not uh, supposed to leave a trail of of elliot at the bar no that wouldn't work because if she used his card and even if she signed his signature the cameras the surveillance cameras mm-hmm. will clearly show her yeah yeah that's no good but yeah i i like the just that one little detail i'm glad they brought it back it's the slip up you might make if you're drunk, you grab the wrong card. Although maybe <laughs> if you have a, a credit card you're planning to use as uh, evidence you don't put in your wallet. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, she's drunk. What are you going to do? And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I have two debit cards and they're identical. So I get them confused quite a bit. So two I don't debit know. Two debit cards. I do. Okay. It's like one for your, your other life. Yes. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Maybe her and Elliot just go to the same bank. <laughs> her and Rick are banking in the same place, the Rosewood, whatever. Um, so. Oh, yeah, Rick. I, I was wondering why it felt so weird to say the name Elliot. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We never yeah, called that. Who the fuck who is the, Elliot? Yeah, I remember Archer. Who the fuck is Elliot? Yeah, cut to uh, a glass half full <laughs> on the coffee tables. We pan over to Allie on their couch. And Allie's like, you don't have to leave Rosewood, but she's talking to Paige. And Paige is like, that's what everybody keeps telling me. Paige is in an armchair, a glass of water, you know, in front of her. Paige says, but it's time to go. Time to do something else. This train whistle, of course, sounds in the distance. And Paige is like, I got what I came for. Not what I was going to get. No, not what I thought I was going to get, I mean. But it's what I'm supposed to have. Closer. Again. Yeah. Uh, Paige turns the conversation to Allie. And she's like, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time. Now not entirely. Like, yeah. Paige's like, I don't want to make this any tougher, but before I go, there's something I need to know. And Allison says, what? And Paige says, do you love her? And I was like, do I love... And Paige is like, Emily, do I need to spell it out? <laughs> do you love her? Allie's like, I'm the last person you should ask about love. And Allison kind of stands, walks behind the couch, like bracing herself, literally well, putting her in this thought. Yeah, it's like she literally has to put distance between herself and in this conversation. I like that. And Paige and just protection from Paige, too, because Paige mm-hmm. is asking those questions. Paige is like, maybe, but you're the only one who can answer the question. So Allison like, looks that's away. That's a good line, you know? Yeah. 
You're the only one um, who can answer the question of whether or not you love someone. Allison looks away, and Paige is like, you know Emily loves you. Maybe you've known all along, and that, that scares you. That's what made you such a terrible person. And <laughs> Allison's just like, um, Paige's like, sorry. <laughs> person who sometimes did terrible things. Which I love that Paige is like, I'm not going to fall into the cycle here. The cycle that we've been in mm-hmm. for most 7B so far. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Horowitz had to witness. I'm not going to fall like, into the cycle, but I did just totally land a dig there. Yeah. 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 And then I magnanimously withdrew the dig. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Allison's like, I was terrible. Sometimes I still am. That's why you can't ask me that about Emily. Paige is like, you find it so hard to be honest with yourself. I guess you don't have a lot of practice with that. Well, so the... It's like the idea of loving someone else terrifies Allie here. Yeah. Uh, I think this would land a little bit better if Rollins never existed. But Well, here's 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 the the I feel like the Emerson rebuttal. Mm-hmm. OK, some part of Allison always knew that Rick was garbage. Uh, yeah. Hopefully deep down within and like he was like using like special crystals to hypnotize her or something. <laughs> Maybe it was his just weird demeanor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And drugs. Like maybe he was drugging her the whole time. Yeah. 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 Um it's just like so you don't have constantly love- like feeding her like oxycontin in her drink or something. Allison, here's your uh, cherry pie and horse tranquilizers. Yeah. <laughs> um mm. Allison's like <laughs> you would take that. Allison's like, not really. People don't like the truth. The truth is slippery. Can't depend on it. Well, you know, I think Which, what Allie really means here when she talks about the truth is like the exact opposite. The truth is not slippery. You can't depend on Allison. Well, it also, Allison, the the girl who was dead and alive at the same time, big like, bright, the truth shiny is, disco ball of truth. Yeah, the truth is is a, a fact. It's a definition. You're one thing. Um, Paige's like, try it just for a minute on the on like. The, the delivery of these lines are fantastic on the page. This is just so like beautifully clipped. It just feels so rapid fire. Um, so Allison does for one. She takes a deep breath. She considers and she says, I know how I feel when she looks at me. I've never felt that with anyone before. It's, it's like she sees who you really are. Maybe that's the scariest part. You look at her. You look at, you look at her eyes and you want to be worth the effort. You want to be the person she sees. So the camera's like slowly tracks on Allison through all this. Now we cut back to Paige, smiling to herself slightly, because she knows what that feels. She knows she's she's literally quoted your eyes. It's a hard day's night looking in those eyes. In the eye of um, the heart. Word. Um, she looks down because it's time to go. And she's like, Thanks for the water. So Allison comes back to herself, almost quivering now, having to bare her soul like that. And she's like, I didn't answer your question. Paige stands to leave, and she's like but she didn't lie to me. Old Allie might have, just to get me out of the house. Um, she walks past Allison, stops the door to look back at her, and she says, Allie, you're going to have a beautiful baby. Paige leaves forever. That's quite a line to end on. Yeah, Allie kind of turns away. There's some cheer- tears on her cheeks there. Um, you know what the, the best part of this is, though? Mm. Paige goes out, gets in her car, drives out of Rosewood. And she runs over all it. the trash cans. Well, she doesn't realize that Allison has put a sign that says, I hate cops, <laughs> on the back of the car. Yeah. 
Sorry, that's the weirdest reference ever to Angel the series. <laughs> See, I was going more for some reason that you're gonna have a beautiful baby it made me think of Kill Bill with the like it's your baby and then she gets shot in the head. That's a little darker, maybe. That's um, a lot darker. <laughs> there are a lot of off-screen shutting doors in this episode. I don't know if you notice that. A lot of like yeah. hearing the door shut at the end of the scene. Yeah. Um well, sometimes the, the better moment to, to capture is the reaction to that shut door. Mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. last line. Lots of different ways you could read that. You know, like, I think ultimately Paige has the right read here and basically calls Allie's shot for her. Um, like, she knows, like, yeah, you're going to have that kid. Well, she's also, this is also the great last move because this says, like, guess what? I'm leaving. You got to be noble now. Well, there's, a, there's no there's no competition. You're not going to be better in spite of me. You have to be better all on your own. From Allie's side, there's a serious uh, we accept the love we believe we deserve type of thing going on here where yeah. Allie like Rick. feels unworthy. Yeah, she she could accept the love of Rick because Rick sucked, but she's never felt like she could earn Emily's uh, affections. Kind of like, you know, uh, what's her face? Um in, in my own personal headcanon, uh, I'm drawing a fucking blank her name. Black Widow and Captain America. I mean, I've also felt like that's their dynamic there. Natasha Romanoff? Mm-hmm. I also felt like Wait, she's into who? Cap, but she doesn't think she deserves him. So she just flirts with him. And then she settles down or tries to end up with the Hulk? You know, I just feel like they they went such a, a new place with Natasha in the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. It was like Josh or Joss needed to he needed to kill his darling there, like bringing it back to Hulk. Like just the the track was not laid. Which is funny because I like their scene together in the first Avengers movie. We could really we could really unpack it didn't that. seem like a romantic scene to me. Sooner or later we will do no, no, no. head cannon. But I don't know that that's the kind of read I get from from that scene and, and here in, in a very different way is that Ali has never felt like she deserved Emily's affections because she's so terrible to her. And so she's mm-hmm. not willing to kind of allow that reality to exist in her mind. But yeah, I mean, I think on a, on a different show that had been given half these dynamics, the scene at the Radley would have been like the page characters last scene. And I love this show because in a way, in a way like this, this triangle, there is no triangle. It's all about Emily's take. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. Allison and, and 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 Paige competing for Emily. It's Emily making a decision. A and the funny decision. thing is that, yeah, yeah, of course. But in this episode, we have a situation where, where Allison has to make a decision of a different nature. But I love that they they do the thing where Paige and Allison have the last scene together um, because their relationship actually kind of precedes anything real between like Paige and mm-hmm. Emily. Yeah, because it's just that whole the pigskin torture thing. Um, you know, I I haven't looked yet. I've been so busy. I don't know how like the the hardcore innocent shippers took this. Uh, I imagine they're probably like happy and rioting at the same time. Well, it's not it's not as bad, I think, as like what, what the Halo people should be realistically experiencing. Nah, I don't know. I feel like the Halo shippers are fairly uncomplicated. They just want no conflict and they're they're shipped together. Um, yeah. Then they're they're also fooling themselves a little bit with the way yeah. the way Halep came back together. But um 
that's none of my business said kermit sipping his drink um yeah so this is this is a great scene um and then we're gonna cut to a color printout of the game board that mona has created and then she overlays it with kind of like a rudimentary schematic that she's drawn on some thin tracing paper and she says rails pulleys and magnets make the pieces move it's probably not listening all the time that would drain too much power so we see they're back in lucas's loft hannah's next to her she's looking at the paper here and hannah says do you think we should cover the camera on the phone and mona says that would just make someone angry which god (laughs) the way she says that line oh my god it's so Mm. great there's just like a hint of command in her voice yeah like the someone might well be her it's like who whose side ultimately is she on right now as she's uh tempting herself by messing with this game board i love it and she's also like like she's playing the addiction she's tempting herself she's profiling (laughs) a little bit she Uh, she's looked into the abyss again and the abyss looked back yeah the abyss winked (laughs) blew her a kiss yeah so hannah says how do we open it mona says when the thing was closed it was sealed whoever made it probably can't get into it now it there's poetry to that when the game ends the game dies she's just loving this and it says uh five more episodes yeah yeah do you think lucas made this i mean he knows all about games and computers mona says it's not a game or a computer there's electronics in it but the heart of the thing is mechanical it was lovingly handmade and she's meaning lucas couldn't have done this yeah Uh, she places a hand on the schematic like she's petting it and Hannah is like just gonna let that slide because she needs something right now. She's like, Mona, you have to play help me play this game. And Mona looks over as though she's like just realized that this is what Hannah wanted for the first time. She's like, do what? Hannah's like, play the game and win. And Mona's like, why me? Hannah says, because you're the only person who isn't afraid of it. You admire it. You can get inside the head of whoever made this. Mona says, the reason I'm not afraid of it is because you don't see a little Mona at the starting line. And it says, Mona, please. Mona says, don't ask me to do this. And she kind of turns away from the game. And it says, Mona, I am begging you. You are the only person who knows what it's like to make something like this. And Mona says, yes, I do. And that's why I can't touch it. Playing with people's lies like this, it's an addiction. You're not dealing with a healthy person. You're dealing with an addict. I know. I know more about it than I ever wanted to. And it says, well, then imagine how you'll feel when you beat it. And she kind of gives Mona this playful sneer, but like this kind of temptation is giving Mona all kinds of anxiety here. Like Hannah's playing with fire. So imagine that, that the FBI has just brought in Mona to be like their expert profiler on, on AD and PLL. Like I think about Mona, the personality who loved the game the first two seasons and Charlotte who took it over. Who this is the the biggest thing when it comes to like who could AD be? Hmm. Who could like take on especially like season seven AD, <laughs> not six B AD, the like kind season of mind seven AD. to wrangle the wills of Mona and Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like operate remotely on their level and to some extent, as Mona's implying here, exceed them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could very well see, as I've said many times, a situation where this is still Charlotte. Um, I don't think it will be not. Not that I don't think that would be interesting for some viewers, but I think they're kind of like they have to pull out a new rabbit, basically. Charlotte yeah. could still be alive and a helper, 
Mona could be a helper, but there has to be a new somebody at the top of the pyramid. I mean, I don't think it's Lucas because I think we're going to get Lucas disqualified next week. Yeah, that's coming soon. The fact that we suspect him in episode 15 mm-hmm. almost guarantees kind of like uh, whatever the episode number was of like Leslie Stone and 6A. It's totally, like, totally, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and the last thing about PLS, they keep to like these like one two punches with these minor characters. I also, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. I just don't feel the Melissa or Jason thing. Melissa is a all. popular theory. Um, I know it's a popular say theory. Charlissa, yeah. Um, what the fuck is Charlissa? Charlotte Melissa. It's like oh, because they're dating is that it's the idea? The secret or relationship, which is why Melissa wants revenge. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, hmm. Hannah. I, I think I tweeted this. Uh, it's like she's trying to give the one ring to Gandalf here. Ramona's just like, you would have me do great good with this, but it would destroy me. You know, yeah. <laughs> AD would be overthrown, and I would take her place. I'm just worried that in that analogy, there will be something at the end of the show where someone throws the ring into the the fiery lakes there and Mona dives after it. Uh, yeah, I do not like that. Um, no, no, I don't want to get any potential spoilers. We'll talk about that later. Not that I know any spoilers, but I don't know. Did you happen to remember what like her apparent last scene that she shot was? No. Okay, we'll we'll discuss it off screen. Uh, no, okay. no inside info. This is an interview, so I just don't want to potentially spoil anyone who doesn't want to know about it. Uh, okay. Anyway, cut to the most curious scene in the episode. We're two and a half hours in this podcast, and uh, this might take an hour. Oh, that's okay. probably hyperbole. We're at the Philly airport. Ezra's there. He's looking up at the departures and arrivals. He's frustrated. Checks his watch and he sighs. What's up, airlines these days? Fucking United? Goddamn United. I got on a plane. They punched me in the face. Threw me off. <laughs> the one time. The, face. the one time where everyone's like, nah, that's okay. We're cool with this. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he looks at his watch and he sighs and he turns around. He's kind of resigned. He goes back to his bag. Uh, we hear a lady on the PA talking. And attention, all passengers, the following flights have been delayed. Flight 4436 to Boston, flight 6475 to Memphis, and flight 4511 to Stockholm. Please check the status. You know, I, uh, just because I'm me, I spent like probably a good 20 minutes like running those numbers through mm-hmm. like various like code decryptors and like, you know, converting them to like hexadecimal and all kinds of shit to see if they meant anything. Mm-hmm. I failed. Okay. If there's a code there, I don't know what it is. I think you need to track also the times that it would take to get to Boston, oh. especially to Memphis and to Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> Boston, Memphis, Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, you may have spotted Spencer Hastings in the background while Ezra is getting his coat there, and he just spotted her too. <laughs> he walks closer to get a better look, and we see Spencer, and she appears to be deep in discussion with a man sitting across from her at a table there. And uh, her trench coat is gone now. She's in a black shirt and pants. And Ezra seems to kind of debate for a moment. Like, should he should he go over there? And then he kind of quickly turns around. Like, nope, not going to do it. Don't want to be seen. But then right when he does that behind him, Spencer breaks off from her heated but quiet conversation that she's having with this dude. And she sees Ezra. And she looks... Well, the line is real quick in that conversation that you can make out is stop, calm down, and I can't calm down. Mm. Yeah, she looks maybe a little surprised and annoyed at first when she sees Ezra, but she recovers. 
very quickly. And she calls her. She's like, Ezra? Ezra? No. Uh, he turns around and he kind of, he does this move like he pretends you've just seen her, but he does it really badly. Like, it's like he looks up and sees her and then like three seconds later, he like does this double take like, oh, Spencer. <laughs> it's really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and Spencer's like, hey. And Ezra's like, hey. And he kind of smiles and she stands up and kind of walks around to introduce her companion, who, if he hadn't watched the, uh, you know, previously on, he might not have recognized. She says, hey, um, I don't think you've ever met Ren Kingston. Oh, shit. Ren's fucking back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude turns around. It's Ren. He's got like a buzz cut and a five o'clock shadow. Looks like he's a hard bitten cop now. Or Looks like he's just like. Came straight from an Amazon TV show. Yeah, maybe it's just a junkie. What is it like, Hand of God or something? Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. With uh, Leslie Stone. Yeah. Ezra says no, and Ren stands, kind of smiling like to himself. And I don't know if this like means anything or if this is just like, hey, like Julian Morris and Ian Harding get to have a scene, so they're grinning. It's I don't know. Like, you're really handsome, and Ren's like, oh, you're really handsome too, mate. And he's like. <laughs> Yeah, we're both handsome. Let's yeah. make him touch. Yeah. So uh, Spencer says, Ren, this is Ezra Fitz. Ezra, Ren. And they shake hands. And Ezra says, hello. And Ren's like, pleasure. Spencer says, uh, Ren was almost my brother-in-law a couple of times. Uh, of course, Ezra would know that because he spied on his child girlfriend and uh, all her friends that one time to write a book. <laughs> and Ren says, you know, I ended up with a layover from hell called Spencer. And she was gracious enough to come and share the pain with me. But as he says all this, he's not even looking at Ezra. He's like staring deep into Spencer's eyes. Like he couldn't give a fuck that Ezra's even here. Like it's a really interesting delivery. And Spencer just kind of smiles at all this and looks well, back to Ezra. Bro, it's called a layover. It's a sexy time in air travel. Yeah, to have some uh, lemon water. Mmm. <laughs> you know, that's- yeah, I was saying, you don't think they're having G&Ts? No, that, that looks like a lemon water. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's it's just neat, but... Ren can make it happen of lemon water. Yeah. Um, oh, that just like, <laughs> Even in that accent, a lemon water sounds sexy. Um, Spencer's like, are you going someplace? Hazard's like, uh, y- yes. Well, I I was. Um, Spencer's like, well... Have a drink with us. And Ren looks over to Spencer, perhaps surprised by this offer. Just like, like, a, oh. like a slight eyebrow raise, I feel like. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, thanks. Uh, you two are catching up and I don't want to intrude. But listen, it was great meeting you. And Ren says, same. And she's like, Spencer. And she's like, yeah, bye. So they shake hands for like the second time in 30 seconds. And Ezra's like about to get out of there. Um, he's, uh, as I described it, he's. Getting out of there like Karen from Goodfellas running away from Jimmy's dresses. Uh, it's like he just can't wait to get away from this scene, but he's not going to be left alone. Which is over my head because I don't like mafia movies. Um, but Ezra won't be left alone because Spencer comes kind of comes back. She's like, Ezra. And he, she walks over to him, leaving Ezra. her to sit back down. Too. Yeah. And she's like, hey, um, I have to ask you for a favor, you creep. And he's like, sure, anything. And she's like, I haven't seen Ren since before Charlotte was killed. And he helped her sneak in the rally. And I wanted to see if he remembered something that would help us. But so far, it's just been nothing. Do you think that we could keep this between us? 
And Ren's been like sipping his drink at the table, ignoring them as Ezra gives a second look, like very wary. And he's like, keep what between us? So it's like that you saw him here with me. And Ezra, I love, he's like, who would I tell? <laughs> so she's like, I just really wouldn't want to take the fury to find out about this. And Ezra says, all right. So she says, thank you. And he's like, of course. She's like, have a nice flight or have a safe flight. And he's like, yeah what the fuck yeah he walks away and spencer kind of smiles to herself and uh, now ren kind of finally looks over at her like kind of questioning a little like hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what the hell does this scene mean what is going or, on here or not fishing mate <laughs> so um the obvious read here twinser right that, that there's something about spencer's whole vibe that does not seem like the character we saw in the scene before i mean let me ask a question is this clearly not the same outfit underneath the coat it's hard to tell okay um her outfit that she was wearing earlier before she put on the coat in coat on was not this same outfit now but it had Mm -hmm. a similar neckline so you could kind of hand wave and say this is more or less the same outfit like maybe she'd took off one coat and put on another she has no watch on which is what really stands out uh, mm. so she was wearing a watch previously and a big white trench coat she's not wearing a watch now her trench coat is nowhere to be seen it's not like it's on the back of her chair or something yeah yeah i was definitely like looking for that mm-hmm. um, uh. yeah I mean, no watch no trench coat she basically just got implicated in a murder by Marco, and her first move is to go to the airport and meet Ren. Like it, and it's she, funny because her her purse is there, but not her coat. Yeah, sorry. Her her whole tone in this is not like she's she doesn't seem worried. Even talking to Ezra and like, hey, can we keep this between us? Like it, she doesn't have that kind of like Spencer mania that we would expect us to get from her. Yeah. Like, and, and I think Troy's doing a really good job here of playing just off enough. It's not like super obvious, but it definitely is the impression that like something's weird here. Plus, just like what's, she is, what's the point of this scene in general? Why is this scene here? You know, she is so fucking cool mm-hmm. as she just studies Ezra. Yeah. Like Ren in his, like you said, like he's just like making flirty eyes of her, like viewing Ezra as a distraction. But she's just like, no, I'm sorry. This loose thread mm-hmm. is just waiting for me to pluck it. Um, oh, like what? What is the purpose of this scene? Uh, why did they go out of their way to put Ren in this particular scene? Because you could certainly don't need this scene here. Is this definitely was this definitely intended? I wonder for this episode. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like, part of me when I first watched, I kind of wondered like. Was this meant to be like, remember the, um, that one Ella flashback that was meant for something else and they kind of worked it in later. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of wondered, like, was this meant to be like in the following episode and they just pushed it up for some reason, like scheduling or something. Sure. But like, what, what else does this scene accomplish though? Other than to make us suspicious. Um, yeah. So why was Ezra being so squirrely here too? It was like, he well, had like a, a weird sixth sense about something. It kind of makes me wonder did he not want to be seen here either? You know? Hmm. I, well, cause like, what if he was not going to see Nicole? 
there's that. I think Ezra's more thing is that if Spencer sees him, she will talk to Arya. Arya will then say where Ezra's going and why. And Ezra, oh my God, he might look bad to other people. Um, but rather than Arya just already his knew fiance. that. But I mean, I feel like Ezra is probably comfortable with dealing with certain issues between him and Arya, but he's probably a guy who's very concerned about how others see him. Mm. Plus, Spencer is being very odd. So I think he's picking up on that. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a stretch to me. It's like it's like Ezra didn't hear Spencer's memo earlier that it's as much smaller world than we thought. I, I don't know. I feel like Ezra could theoretically play off his presence here. Like Spencer, either she knows the shit, in which case, like, what's the point in hiding it? Or she doesn't, in which case she's probably not going to suspect, I guess, would be my feeling. The other thing is like I, either either Spencer already has a good impression of Ezra because he's trying to do right by Nicole or she already has a bad impression of him for doing that but I don't think him doing this would sway her one way or the other I had no idea where this scene could really be taking place based on the the promo photos mm-hmm. I think my first thought was like bus station <laughs> I'm really glad that I did not watch the because I think like part of this was online early right Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I think it might have been like attached to one of the promos or something like a sneak peek clip. I did not watch it. So seeing this play out, it was just like, what is going on here? I don't always catch the sneak peek clips. I do when I can try to watch like the little, you know, mini trailer for each episode. Mm-hmm. Like next week, Officer Barry or Detective Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't usually try to I don't usually catch the little sneak peek clips. So, yeah, this would have really I think this would have bummed me out if I hadn't seen it in its context yeah well did spencer really not want ezra to mention her to marco like as if this is some sort of like relationship thing you know like i'm with one guy don't tell the other guy um would ezra even know about that does Arya even know about that yeah yeah i think really it's it's more about don't tell tell marco the cop there's that too Really, but why I would think he talk also, to Marco the cop? I guess so. I don't know, but like, I mean, also from her perspective, if she's not a twin, she's just been told by her pseudo paramour, her enamorata, like, uh, I suspect you of murder. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's like either she doesn't want him to tell Arya about this and she's using Marco as an excuse, or it's the opposite where she wants him to tell Arya, and so she is asking him not to like a reverse psychology thing Hmm. i don't know like i feel like you can explain away a lot of the little details here with like innocent excuses and alternate explanations except for her demeanor she is just not acting like somebody who just found out that they could go down for a murder at all she is cool as a cucumber the character or characters and the actor who portrays them are people of enigma um, I guess, what would do you be think the... reverse psychology works on Ezra? Do you think someone could be like, hey, Ezra, I don't want you to go to jail. <laughs> I mean, what would be the alternate explanation for this whole scene? Like, could they be toying with us over the twins or stuff to hide something else? Yes. Maybe. I guess this is where I wonder, <laughs> though, because the our first hint of Twincer was in 701, right? 
Um, that was the that was the whole thing with the bangs, uh, where the the Spencer comforting oh, the dream. Hannah did the not dream, have yeah. bangs, and people were like, "What was going on with that?" So like, that was the beginning of the season. They didn't. There was no. They they filled it all at once, so there was no opportunity for them to kind of like see how audiences reacted to that scene and then adjust going forward. And mm-hmm. so unless they knew that that the twin theory would come about. Like if they could, they'd have to completely predict the whole twin theory thing happening and kind of build up false clues all the way along to set this up as like, we're messing with you with twins or stuff, but it's actually something else, which I don't know if they could necessarily plan that far and expect that reaction all the way back like a year ago. A couple of things. Can I just say on the word bangs? I really felt that champagne kick in. Secondly, um, sorry, everyone. You and I need to chat about something offline related to all this. Third mm-hmm. thing, who tweeted at us the picture of uh, uh, Troyan in like the the trailer, like looking at the wig? Um, I just thought about that in relation to oh, from season five. Yeah, like twin theories and bang and bangs and things. Um, Eggs. Yeah, I. God, I know what you're doing, but I really hate the way you say the word eggs. Eggs. Don't blame me. Blame Shay Mitchell. Uh, blame all of blame, Canada. Blame, blame Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an Oscar worthy song right there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I love the mystery. I love that there's. I don't know if you have a stopwatch going. There's a possibly an hour that you could chew over this. I think if you are spending an hour discussing this, either the show is absolutely doing its job right, or it's just one of those happy accidents. <laughs> I really wonder. I mean, this whole scene just sticks out like a sore thumb that just screams, which there's is, something okay, so going on here. The content of the speech that Dream Spencer says to Hannah in her dire moment there. The funny thing is that it's obviously a dream or it's a person pretending to be Spencer or what have you. Or it's a person that Hannah perceives as Spencer for some reason, but like the content of like that that pep talk to me felt so bizarrely Spencer. Hmm. You know, like a an experience is a moment that's happening in the shroud of night or whatever she says. Like, are you gonna make me pull that scene up? Uh, keep talking. whatever she's whatever she's talking about. Like, I was like, this could be something that Spencer says to somebody. I totally believe that. Um, Didn't she like quote a book at some point or something? Probably. Uh, there's always a way to poo the passage about the time that you've been uh, cattle prodded <laughs> in the barn. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh my God, this will be a long episode. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten to Caleb and Toby's fuck styles. Okay. I'm um, just pulling up. That's just here. coiled up like a snake waiting to, to bite. Full yeah. of venom. Spencer saying, "You've got this, Hannah. You're gonna be okay. You can." Oh, sorry, that's not dialogue. Uh, Hannah says, "I think I'm gonna die in here." And Spencer says, "No, I won't let this happen." And Hannah says, "This is a dream. You can't help me. You're not real, Spence." And Spencer says, "Something real is actually existing as a thing or occurring in fact." Yeah, that's the the weird line there. And Hannah says, "I don't know what you're saying, but I'm glad that you're here." And Spencer says, "A dream is an experience, and experience is real." And in some do you form or fashion, in some form or fashion, this is all Lucas's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where Spencer mentions AD, even though 
Hannah, if she's dreaming, would not have heard about AD yet. Hmm. Yeah. And then she, she sings Hush Little Baby to her as well. So, hmm. Twinster Theory is very hot right now. Hotter than Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Emily's coming home to Allie's house. I just, I gotta say, sometimes I can't tell when people are trolling or they're a troll. Yes. Emily walks into the living room in the background. She's like, Allie? And I kind of pan to Allie in the foreground here. She's just like leaning against the wall, lost in thought. And he's like, hey. And she kind of comes over and kneels down next to Allie. They didn't have my package. <laughs> Speed to an express or a bunch of assholes. And he's like, what's wrong? And Allie says, I thought about it, about what it means, about what it could mean. And we get this cool shot of like both of them like framed in a doorway from like another room. And Allie says, I'm going to have the baby. And he's like, are you sure? And Allie says, no. But if you help me, and Allie's like, I'll help you. And Allie nods like, okay. She says, then it's settled. I'll do it. So Emily's like, we'll do it. She takes Allie's hand. And Allie's like, together. And Allie says, thank you. And Emily leans over and she gives Allie a big hug, which makes a really nice shot because it's like Emily's looking at us and Allie's like in profile next to her. Uh, and Allie says, thank you for trusting me. And Emily hugs her harder and leans back. I mean, she's smiling to kind of pull back further into the other room, like framed in the doorway there. Like some of this stuff, especially with the, with stuff's all centered around Emily, because Emily's a huge part of this episode. I, I don't know if like Troyan's like trying to evoke specifically certain references because some of the other directors are, you know, much more verbal about like what inspired them, what they're paying homage to. I mean, like, there's, uh, I can see, like, old French movies. I can see, like, old Italian movies. I can see, like, Persona <laughs> and some of the profile shots of these two. It's just, it, it comes out, like, beautifully. I was just thinking about, uh, it's almost like a nicer, slightly fatalistic, almost Spencer move on Paige's part. She's kind of done everything she can because she assumes, just because of the, her lot in life, these two will end up together and she will be the one who has to leave town. She's like kind of done her part, just like nudge them, like just accept it. Allison, you will have a beautiful baby because I assume that you and Emily are going to have a kid together anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so we've we've gotten all the the Emerson baby scenes out. Um, I I like lots of stuff here, except for the whole thing right in the middle of it, which is the the rape baby. You know, um, I yeah. just I wish they'd not gone with the storyline. Um, but it's I, the same way as you wish these kind of things didn't happen in real life. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do think there's a there's a difference between characters making decisions and kind of like an authorial endorsement of those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of Emily and Allie's kind of choices and actions in this episode are in character. Like, I don't feel like there's false notes here with the character. They're just not making the decisions we want them to make. You know, like, I feel like they're it's kind of like a a tragedy playing out where they're just doing this for all the wrong reasons. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I would not touch these kind of subjects with a 20,000 foot pole, but you know, I, I, Oh man, if they do the Charlotte thing too, is like the, the, Oh, the male sperm donor. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is probably the best possible way you could write a resolution 
do a love triangle that involves like multiple sexual violations but it's like what if we what if we just didn't dig that hole to begin with you know yeah yeah what if emily or what if Paige just took the job well it i don't know there's a you could theoretically see a version of this where if if Emily were a man and it just like had a one night stand with Allie and got her pregnant before her like old girlfriend came back into town, this all plays out very differently. Like by having it, this, you know, sexual assault at the center of it, it just, it makes everything super uncomfortable. True. True. Unfortunately, in my mind, you just incepted a uh, sideways universe thing where Emily is Seth Rogen and Allison is uh, Catherine Heigl. Oh, how dare I was like, you. no, how dare you? That's awful. really, really the point here is how dare you. But, um, yeah, like, but it's also, it's, you know, from a, from a writing, creating the show standpoint, there's also, it's like, it's all of these things. It's like, we have this storyline. It's got to come to a certain point here. Also, we have to say goodbye to this character slash actor. Like, yeah, you know, some of us have, you know, really championed her and her storylines for seven years. How do we how do we do this right? I do think there's a especially with TV shows as opposed to movies, there's a real tension critically as far as like do you want to see something play out organically or do you want kind of the right thing to happen? And I feel like with TV mm-hmm. especially, it that tends to be more we want the the good outcome here and not an outcome that is not unrealistic, but not supporting kind of like a viewpoint or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's where you, you run into this. Cause like I said, like we all like the idea of Spencer being able to stay single because of the message that sends. And if we're sending messages that way, then we're sending messages this way too. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, are you, are you talking about like agenda over character? Well, I think that's the conflict there. I think, you don't get that as much in film, but you do get that a lot more in TV because mm. it's, um, I don't know, you're with the characters longer. It's maybe a little more personal of a medium because of that, mm. that like, I, I think you, you start to get that tension there where you don't want an outcome that's kind of against certain values, I guess. Whereas in a movie, I think there's more leeway for, the the characters to go in you know whatever direction the story takes them mm-hmm. i mean because i it's not just like a pll thing I, I feel like a lot of tv criticism you kind of see that yeah and there's also you know there's there's agenda there's character and then there's also plot <laughs> yeah you know I mean, it's like certain shows just just the character just changes on a whim based on what the plot needs them to do what kind of distraction they need to be the story from act to act even yeah. Well, it's like Walter White has to admit his his faults and, and lose in the final episode or else that would be somehow unsatisfying. The right is the right word there, but like immoral, I guess. Well, we can't all meditate and then off screen go back home and like pitch, you know, Coke <laughs> by the world of Coke. I don't know. It's, it's something I think a lot about just TV in general and the way it's covered differently than movies are released. That's my impression. I just want to say again, and I know that I'm a broken fucking record about this, but if there can somehow be two separate Riverdale slash Archie comic book universes, there could be at least one PLL. What? 
Are there two? Yeah, there's a whole there's the finale the, or something. No, there's the brand new Archie comics from whenever they rebooted Archie a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And now there's like Riverdale comics, which are not the same thing necessarily. But not the same thing as the TV show. And then either. somewhere in between the two, there's like the comics were like Jughead's a werewolf. Mm. You know, in line with like like and like dating or not dating or whatever. Um, I don't quite know with the the Arrow Ace thing, but like with Sabrina the Witch. Um, I think I need to work on my my Jughead narration voice. Yeah, I would agree. Just like, let me see if I can let me see if I can pull something out here. It's like, uh, this town is full of secrets. No, no, okay. You think you're a Dylan, but you're really a Cole. Ooh. Wait, which is which? Is it Dylan on the show? No, it's the other way around. Oh, okay. Burn. How would we know? <laughs> well, by the dick pics, of course. Anyways, back at Ezra's loft. Arya turns around from the stove. She's got two mugs of coffee in her hand. She ambles over to Ezra at the table and gives him the black mug. She keeps the white mug. Symbolism. <laughs> would you like to play a game? Mm-hmm. Arya says, there will be more flights tomorrow, I suppose. <laughs> and he kind of raised his mug and he's like, I suppose. And Arya's like, Ezra says, I'm sorry about what I said. Well, I'm sorry about how it came out. I don't apologize for that shit, Arya. Yeah. And she sighs and she says, but I'm afraid. We're so close and I'm just, I'm afraid of it all falling apart. So maybe I wasn't. And Ezra's like, no, you were right. And I, I needed to hear that. Thanks for giving her permission to be angry, dick. And Ezra says, my flight wasn't canceled. I just didn't get on it. A likely story. And Arya, Arya's lips curl ever so slightly and like the subtlest of smiles here. And Ezra tries to smile for her too. I'll do the smiling for you as well. Mm-hmm. Over in the living room, Arya's purse is lighting up from the inside because her phone's vibrating from a call. But she's not answering it. Either she's unaware or just ignoring it. It's not entirely clear because it's like across the room. It's funny, written down, the I supposes like seem like much more hostile. <laughs> There'll be more flights tomorrow, so I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so then over to Spencer's barn. Geez. His whole his whole thing when he like brings the mug to his lips and he's like, I suppose. He's doing that same thing with the fucking bag from seven eleven where it's like, Well, guess what, dummy? I mean he's here drinking coffee of you, you know, or whatever. Um, I just, you know, sometimes I know like 10% of it is me reading more negative aspects into Ezra than are actually in the text, but mm, no, st- still there's 90% negative aspects in the text. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Spencer's barn. She walks out of the bathroom in a robe post shower. Drying her hair with a towel. Did you watch that video? Which one? The it's the uh, Dre Davis's Madam Hollywood like episode one like YouTube video thing. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Oh wow, I don't want to say anything about it. You just need to watch it. Um, I mean, I think we both separately times fell in love with some of her uh, uh, Instagram live videos. I wish you had watched that because it is, it's something. It's wow, yeah. I like something. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go watch that. Not at work. Oh, here we go. So Spencer's drying her hair off with the towel. She 
as she's walking, she kicks a bottle that sends it rolling across the floor because there's a new message waiting that bottle for her. Somebody is like, I guess, snuck all the way inside here and left the bottle with a new message. That's bravery. So Spencer rushes over. She pulls the note out and she unrolls it. And the note says, you brought the police. I understand. Goodbye. I feel like I should be reading that in like Mary's voice. You brought the police. I understand. Goodbye. I'm going back to my lover. Spencer's reading it. We just see Mary like hugging the wall and sneaking out past her. Yeah. Uh, as uh, or we hear like the toilet flushing in the background. As she reads this, like the music like kicks into high gear, like you're like slamming into the breakdown here. Spencer's realizing she missed her only real chance with her birth mom. The stuff that's interesting about the Mary stuff in here that we don't see Andrea Parker at all is I remember from Paley. And I don't know, maybe it's the stuff you say at Paley, but like Andrew Parker talking about how she was just amazed and really, really pleased with like the resolution of the Mary Drake storyline. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to show up. <laughs> or you can't you can't just be like scenes on like fucking Pastor Ted's porch. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's get to our A tag here. We're looking at a computer screen. It's got Arya's creepy ass Snapchat filter face up in one window on the right. There's all this like random code, you know, because it's A's thing and there's like audio waveforms. And uh, the Arya, the, the Avataria here is wearing a black hoodie now, not like the previous outfit. And we see the kind of the face animating on screen. The Avataria is saying, I warned you. I, I warned you. I, I warned you. I, I warned you. And then we kind of see A's gloved hands are doing some typing on the computer. And there's like this polygonal overlay on Arya's face on screen. And then like all the other shit kind of like melts away and it's just Arya's face in full screen. And Avatar says, when I call, you answer. I need you to be faithful and devoted or else. And then <laughs> Avatar holds up Arya's file and just starts like laughing maniacally as AD is watching this all on the computer, like in their lair. Uh, it's just like, nah, nah, it's creepy as fuck. It's so wonderful. Um, it's so over the top. I love it. I mean, I guess this is like the next message. This kind of makes me wonder, does AD have to like render all these? Like, is it an actual filter where it works in real time? Or does AD have to like prepare a bunch of messages? And it's like, how would like if Arya goes off script or something, does AD just like continue to say what it's going to say anyway? Yeah, that's that's what I really wonder. Or is or is that the confidence of AD yeah. that they can guess within a reasonable degree what Arya is going to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, what could Arya have on A? I think we already talked about that. Um, have you seen the the secret abortion theory there? No, what's that? It's that that Arya secretly had like an Ezra baby abortion, and that that's why Ezra would suddenly hate her. I, I don't know. Like that still doesn't explain the jail time thing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't would that be like would the would the I'm saying I'm trying to think how would that emotionally affect her now considering what's happening to Emerson? Would that would be what caused like throw her even more into this teaming up with A is not just keeping that secret but because she's trying to like stifle the, the resonating feelings. I mean, I guess he had the whole like Ezra thinking he had a child and then not like, I guess there's something there I had a, that he I might had a get baby. upset. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck off Ezra. 
anyway um yeah this there's so much to chew on in this oh last twins are thought there like so if they get their hands on that receipt they're gonna have spencer hastings you know mm-hmm. signing out for ellie rollins could potentially twinser end up taking the fall for that like that's an that's yeah, an I mean, out right yeah um i just think the easiest thing is just to get to the radley yeah i know just steal their receipts. That receipt. like, how long do they hold on to those receipts anyway well i mean just be like okay so not the not the bald bartender that night but the the young woman who used to bartend there who like picked up the shift the following morning fucked up all the receipts and she doesn't work at the rally anymore i think like the local high school hired Somehow her she's good a luck teacher now yeah yeah <laughs> teacher air quotes yeah yeah i don't know we shall see what the next episode brings i know that officer barry maple is going to be interrogating twincer about her burying the body comment from the preview there so that will be interesting um, he's I'm, sassy in that clip too i'm sure we'll see more of ren i'm just curious as to how much exactly like will we see him in future episodes or not until like the finale you know i wonder too mate i wonder too yeah um yeah that wraps up the episode that was in the eye abides the heart great job by joseph doherty and troy and belsario oh wow very juicy episode what uh i was just looking at this picture from the next week episode it appears to be in Spencer's old room. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Is All this right. right? Am I that's right? Is this Spencer's room or is this Hannah's? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, so yeah, written by Mike Goldsmith next week, directed by Paul Hunsicker. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, before I finish up the business, did we have any more stuff to follow up on? Um Joe sent us an email, a long email, talking about uh, not just authority, I assume. No, no, okay. different Joe. Uh, the the prophecy of the the little boy in the doll hospital and tying Mary into that, and it's an interesting, well written theory. But I just don't. I want to give Joe credit, but I don't think it's it's going to be accurate because I believe that Mona paid that kid to lie straight to their oh, faces yeah. about the couple. Oh, that kid. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that kid. lollipop kid. Um, yeah. have, you, have you seen the one where? the Amish girl they visited that was like that had seen Charlotte and Rick was mm-hmm. Allie's real baby that she put up for adoption during her years uh, in hiding. Have you seen that theory? Well, that would be a funny coincidence. And that it's like Allie's baby with Ezra or something. Yeah, it was totally crazy. Um, Ooh. Oh, well, is there's one. Would that be an Aria's file? <laughs> um, oh, I, I, you know, just, Looking now on Twitter, I know Andrew wanted us to talk about the kind of juxtaposition of some of the stuff with Paige there. Like the if I say it out loud, like that compared to like Allison's scene with Paige there, I think they're definitely yeah, parallels and like callbacks. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think it's it's safe to say, and I mean it as a compliment. This is an episode written by what many perceive to be the general architect of the page yeah. <laughs> character. Well, it's kind of in the language of the show now, you know? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I think you got the best possible people to, to, you know, send this actor and this character off into mm-hmm. the sunset. Um, so Kayla did some great write-ups on the uh, the lovemaking styles of the two Hardy bros, the actual bad guys. So I'm going to give mm. you Toby and I'll give you Caleb's. Okay. 
This is based on her personal research in the field. Toby's bigger, and mm. she's found that sometimes the guys on the larger side tend to think they can put in less effort because they're so big. And Toby's in that category, she feels. He's passionate and that he prefers more slow, romantic sex, a lot of eye contact and foreplay that lasts Wait, longer than sex itself. It's Toby. Okay. Loves to cuddle, probably asks to be the little spoon more often than Caleb would. And is I would more, like to be the little spoon. And more about being uh, more about both parties being satisfied equally. But how about a reach around though? Then the Caleb, not as big as Toby, so he puts more effort in, has more moves. His passion is more of the pinning you against the wall type, less foreplay, but his sex lasts longer. That's a spicy also, role. also loves the eye contact and the foreplay, but more of an energizer bunny in that that some of the foreplay, he does some of the foreplay, but then he gets down the business. Also loves the cuddle, but is probably ready to go again after a shorter period of time than mm, Toby. Shorter refractory and period. And is more about pleasing the other person. So his DPS is higher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just glad that we didn't write this. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kayla nailed it. Really do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you would think that. Um, no, yeah, that uh, that all sounds. No, no, right. but she's she's basically. I mean, you can't really compare someone uh, in their styles because the person comparing changes, you know. But uh, I think what was my first thought was that Toby was probably more of a generous lover, um, maybe in aspects. But I think she's somewhat disagreeing with me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were more. You were more about the Toby style, weren't you? That you're saying, or you were talking about the massage? I can't remember what the initial the sensual massage. I think Toby yeah. would be a better masseuse. I just, uh, uh, Jenna and I disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you don't know that Jenna is really into the Toblerone there. Uh, who knows? Until maybe until he gives her a massage and mm-hmm. she's just like crush over. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do we have any more before I get to reviews? No, that's it. All right. Uh, in the U.S., thank you to the reviews we got in iTunes. We always appreciate those. Those kind of bump us up in the rankings there. I wonder where we are right now. Let me check that real quick. Because we're doing pretty well for ourselves. Um, but as I look that up, we got reviews from MZ underscore MZ8. Lauren DeSantis. Uh, whatever Tara wants. Skyla 6, Jenny DS, uh, she gives a 14 out of 10, would recommend. So thank you extra for that, Jenny. Uh, Amanda Anonymous, my name is Irene25435, and Kengdorf. Thank you to those people in the United States for giving us reviews. Also, thank you to Wrong Victory in Canada for the review. Always appreciate getting those. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to birdwatchpl2.com and leave a comment on our website page. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at BurrowsWatchPL2. And I think those are probably the best ways to get in touch with us. Uh, anything else you want to add, Marco? Nope. Looking forward to next week. Next week. What's the name of the next week's episode? The, the Glove That Rocks the Cradle. The Glove That Rocks the Cradle. The episode after that. I just saw the title for the first time. It is Driving Miss Crazy. <laughs> I think that was the one that was not released for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine why. (laughs) Driving this crazy. That's uh, that's such a PLL title. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks if you're still listening to this uh, four hours later or whatever. Uh, Thanks. And we'll be back next time.
，拜拜，拜拜。